0: He thought he was in control, how wrong he was.
1: up it's shane with dynamis media and i'm joined here with stefan
0: i'm a <laughs> Uh and uh
1: you're tuning into <laughs> you're tuning into the dark side driving which is our horror theme podcast you didn't
0: see a you didn't see a finding nemo reference coming within the first one minute of this I, did you? you know
1: i did not <laughs> actually did not i i'm thinking of all the things you could have done and that was not one of them so congrats that was good kudos i did it it's a solid solid horror reference that all of our (laughs) fans would love uh because we've all lost our way and had to have a uh what would strongly be considered a uh mentally inept guide taking us around trying to find our kids so
0: yeah um yeah who can't relate to that universal story
1: yeah right uh, anyways uh so you're tuning into the dark side drive-in which is our horror theme podcast where we cover movies from again the 70s uh probably predominantly 80s at this point and sometimes 90s and we are covering
0: jaws oh oh, oh this is embarrassing <laughs> uh it's a one of the famous jaws rip-offs from an era of jaws rip-offs probably or at least to Steven Spielberg, it's considered the greatest of the Jaws ripoffs. Uh, which just saying a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it, it, Steven Spielberg did like this one best. Uh, this one is... Or, is
1: or, or, or hated the other ones more.
0: Yes, so we're doing Piranha, <laughs> which definitely has more of a legacy than the other ones do. Although, I will tell you, I kind of have a little uh, soft spot in my heart for Orca. If you ever oh if you ever saw Orca, that was a solid one. What year did
1: that come out? Orca? That's a that's a good seventy seven.
0: Yeah, a lot of them came out yeah. in like that same era, like the late seventies. They basically so what Jaws was what seventy five, and I think most of the rip offs came out around the time of Jaws two. So like basically Jaws happened, uh, took the world by storm. Everyone was talking about Jaws. And then suddenly they're like, well, we got to do other versions of like sea creature ones. So you had, you know, you had Orca. Um, you had uh, obviously Piranha. You had like Last Shark. You had uh, Devil Fish. Uh, you had um, Tentacles, which, you know, went a different way with it. It was about a an octopus or a squid. I guess it kills people. And it's really funny because. Uh, a lot of these movies, like when you watch them on like Tubi, they'll just play one after another and they all have like mm-hmm. that same like late 70s look. So sometimes I'll put one on and like fall asleep on my couch and wake up and think I'm like watching the same movie. And then I'll be like, wait a second, this isn't about a shark at all. Why are there tentacles now? It's like, oh, it's, it's like, a new like animal. Yeah. It was like um, the time, one of the things that I talk about is when I was like back when uh, Netflix actually had good stuff on it. There's one time where I fell asleep watching a uh, mega shark versus giant octopus. And I fell asleep and I woke up during another giant octopus movie. And I <laughs> was like, didn't recognize any of the characters, but I still saw the octopus. I'm like, wow, the octopus must have like one. And now it's just a world ruled by this octopus is no more mega shark. <laughs> it's like, no, I just fell asleep and woke up during a different movie. It's like 20 years later. Well, I mean, it was like the, it was a lot of those movies, like they're kind of absent time and place other than like some of the technology they use. So it's like, it's like, oh, it takes place anywhere between 2001 and 2015. Like the sci-fi basically for sci-fi time pretty much froze except like the cell phones they use pretty much.
1: Well, if you haven't guessed it, uh, we are pretty into Jaws knockoffs. Um, I, I guess, uh, I don't know. I haven't. I don't remember Orca. I'm gonna watch that one. I, I just I was just looking at it now. Um, I'll I'll add that to the watch. I have seen it. I just don't know why I don't remember it. But um, you know what time it is though, right?
0: Um, like 9:50 p.m.
1: It's time for. We need a cool, catchy title for our game segment.
0: Whoa. <laughs> game time um, yeah there you go that's good welcome to the dark side game room pew, pew, pew. Mm. i don't know we, yeah it's we game. should come up with a, a name for that segment like guess like a slogan
1: uh we like the dark side drive in our cage or something um so last time we had a trivia question And the question was, which 2007 found footage movie involves a virus turning people into cannibals in Barcelona? And your guess was Wreck, and you were correct. I know. (laughs) And I will say, I had a hell of a time cleaning that up because we had so many interesting, like like snippets of like um like different movie facts that we kept throwing back and forth, and I was trying to not reference like Wreck. Uh, but you been like it was like you mentioned wreck too, and I'm like, ah, whatever, we'll just kind of roll with it. But, um, yeah, you're so you're on a winning streak, hot streak now, man.
0: Am I? If I was playing NBA Jam, would I be on fire?
1: After this one, you would be.
0: Ooh. So let's see. Okay, you ready? What are we doing the next one already? We're not gonna not gonna talk about wreck a little bit more. Do you want to talk about wreck? I don't know. I did like the I did like quarantine like the American remake uh quite a bit but then like I did get around to seeing wreck and it was like wreck was so much better and I feel like we're we're to the point now where we're kind of done with american remakes of like foreign movies right like we we just accept that we can handle subtitles <laughs> right <laughs> like we don't need to like do american remakes of like every other country's horror movies
1: and I I don't know when that kind of flipped but I will say probably um Parasite was the final nail in that coffin where I think that people widely accept foreign films now. Um, oh, like when if,
0: Parasite won the Oscar yeah. Yeah. and it was so
1: widely like just enjoyed by everyone. You know, one thing and I'll be honest with you that I can't stand is uh, dubbed. Like, so like if I'm watching like anime, I like dubbed anime. I don't, it doesn't bother me. Dubbed television shows and dubbed movies bother me. Like, I would rather have the... Uh, I'd rather have the subtitles. I don't know. It's just because the audio doesn't match the
0: mouth. It just bothers the shit out of me. Um, It doesn't really bother me that much, because usually there's times where I might want to take a nap. Okay.
1: Well, but, I can't...
0: I won't understand what they're saying if I'm sleeping and they're speaking another language. There, But also... Good. um, Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, that's all... And I also, like, uh during my, like, you know formative years in college like trying to understand film and like watching all of these different movies i'd watch a lot of italian films especially spaghetti westerns and italian films are really interesting because not only were most of them you know non-english speakers having their voices dubbed over in english for the movie but a lot of times italian movies would do that anyway with their track they would just like film the movie and then do a dub over track anyway even if it was the language that they themselves were speaking Mm -hmm. and I don't really understand why that is there's always this like disconnect between like the movie and the the voiceover tracks so like it it was one of those things that helped me get like really used to the idea that like yeah there's some kind of like asynchronicity to this that doesn't bother me too much um but yeah I I think especially like uh, as far as like horror films go like the like doing American remakes of of horror movies. I really think the straw that broke the camel's back on that trend was just the J horror remakes. You know, you have your Ringu being remade into the ring and your Juan being remade into uh the grudge or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of came to the point where it's like, well, we just can't let Japanese horror films stand on their own. We have to do our own version of it. So I think that now we've kind of I'm um, although I say that, but I think wasn't it just another grudge movie just a couple of years ago? So yeah, I can't remember. Like yeah, American there, there Grudge was. movie. So there you go. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we aren't quite past that yet.
1: Hey, I'm gonna little again, ahead of ourselves, but
0: but uh, except that you and I just went to see I Godzilla know. minus one minus color.
1: I know we, it was fantastic.
0: Yeah. So like we were perfectly fine sitting in a theater doing subtitles, didn't mind it at all.
1: I mean, that was a master class of how to make a film for for any amount of budget. That's one of the best films I've seen in a very long time. Folks, if you haven't seen Godzilla Minus One, I don't know what you're doing. Like, take, again, read our review. It's on our website, um, dynamismedia.com. And Stefan really hits the nail on the head about even if you took Godzilla out of this, it would be a, you know, a fantastic, uh, you know, I guess, period piece on, you know, different things that people are going through after major conflict. But with that said, and I, and I haven't seen the color version. So I'm going to boldly say that I think the black and white version is going to be better than the in color version, but, um, we'll have to see for me at least. But so you saw both. What do you think?
0: Um, I think they're both amazing. Um, there's definitely parts of it that I I liked what they're doing with the black and white version better. But then there's sometimes where I'll see like a like a still image of one of the like in color shots and just like looking at that Godzilla design and how real he looks. I'm like, I can't Mm -hmm. believe this. And like some of that, like just because black and white isn't how we see the world. So like there's a little bit of artifice there, which I think is a good artifice. But also like it's another thing to like see what is a photorealistic creature (laughs) and standing there in full color. So I don't know. I think they're both great. Unfortunately, the theatrical run is over. Um, there was only that one last week where they're doing the black and white version and then now it's done. So hopefully it comes to on demand or to like a home video release sometime soon. I I think that those things take a while, but is that what they're saying? It's April. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. April. So, well, I guess you gotta wait, folks. Well,
0: you lose.
1: (laughs) Speaking of snoozing, uh, let's go on to the game (laughs) that we started. And have tangentially left. We moved away
0: from that. Yeah. But now we can come back to it.
1: So, um, this time, instead of trivia or the uh, like taboo game, we're going to do where I say a movie quote and you have to guess which movie it's from. This is this one. I think you'll get it, but this is going to be a hard one. So, you ready?
0: Uh, Yeah. I'm the readiest I've ever been.
1: Okay. So, the, the, The quote is, I'm going to give you the choice I never had.
0: Is that the end of the quote? That's it. Hmm. Do you want a hint? Um, I mean, is there any other hints to give? I can give you a date of the movie. Sure, do that. 1994, uh, Uh, I, man, I don't know. I'm not really good with movie quotes. I guess I'm going to go with, uh, seven. So that's what I'm going to say. It is So your
1: guess is seven. That's Uh, what I'm
0: going to guess. Yeah
1: stay peeled folks we will uh stay peeled (laughs) we'll post the uh we'll post the question on our uh, facebook and you'll have to wait till next time to find out
0: have you by the way is your tiktok discourse all about a bunch of young people pretending they don't know who killer mike is no so, I okay, I don't even know where this is coming from, because I'm not okay. much of a... Oh my god. I'm, what? God. So, like, Killer Mike just won the best rap performance, like, brand right. right? Yeah. And there's, like, a bunch of young people who are, like, pissed because it wasn't, like, Travis Scott, or it wasn't, like, uh I think Drake and 21 Savage had, like, a collab that happened. It's like, number one, dude, I barely know who Travis Scott is. I'm just being honest. So like, I'm like, I'm not in touch with the rap world. That's not my world at all. Mm-hmm. You know this, but like, I but I know who fucking killer Mike is. And all these kids are like, "It's like who even is killer Mike man? Like, who is that guy? It's like, what are you talking about? He's like, "What he's like, like a big figure in like culture, like not just like rap culture, but in like the American culture and stuff like that. Mhm. And it's like people are like, oh, you just know who Killer Mike is because of because uh, of Bernie Sanders or whatever, because like Bernie Sanders and him did a bunch of stuff. I'm like, if I'm being honest, I know who Killer Mike is because of, <laughs> because of Frisky Dingo. Oh,
1: okay, yeah, I forgot about that. Do you that. remember? <laughs> do you remember? I do him?
0: now, because he That's was funny. what he was doing the the songs that were being that were uh Tuck Tuck Wheels in in uh Frisky Dingo, right?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to look up the what it's called specifically. Yeah, see, I knew him, I knew him from Outcast. And
0: uh <laughs> Yeah, dude, he played Takuel in in Frisky Dingo, which was yeah, really that's like, a
1: Tacquil, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah he played Takuel and like so but that's like it's like okay, so that's where I first heard about Killer Mike, but then it's like then I would see him like hang out with Bernie Sanders. I see him doing other like like you know, a lot of political action and and you know you know things of cultural significance and i'd be like oh it's killer mike yeah it's the guy from it's the guy from frisky dingo still out there still like being relevant and then now to see all these like gen z motherfuckers be like who even is killer mike it's like you have to be like trying not to know who he is
1: yeah he was also in aqua teen hunger force too he was the boost mobile phone
0: yeah because he was he was like doing a lot of stuff with uh because like they were like the studios where they were like recording those shows and making those shows mm-hmm. were not far from the studios where he was recording. Right. Like it was like, they were on in the same like area of like Atlanta or something. Wasn't that the case? Yeah. Yep. And that was like, they, so they all, they would like did some of those collaborations, which is really cool, but I don't know. I, you can't, I, I'm sure you're not going to keep this in the I'll show. Keep this, dude how like how are you gonna make that work i I just took such a i took such a radical change but like i'm even i would got whiplash trying to figure out how i went from (laughs) i'm I'm leaving the sin
1: for killer mike because he deserves his moment
0: no like no the grammys weren't
1: important our shout out on our podcast is gonna make this man's career
0: Oh please, yeah, right. That's the thing is, just like the idea that like now there's all people like, like these kids online being like, "Who even is that?" It's like, dude, I don't even know if I would know who Travis Scott is if it weren't for like Fortnite. Like otherwise, oh I would not even. That... What? It's
1: like, do you know who the weekend is?
0: He's also in Fortnite. I know, so but he's serious. also in an issue of Fangoria too. <laughs> so.
1: To be fair, I did have to explain to you who 21 Savage was.
0: You did 100%. Yeah. When we were playing Call of Duty, I was like, who's this shirtless dude that just showed up in this game?
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, now now that I have a
0: problem with people running around shirtless, like, do you? But like, it's also a a war game. Like he's going into like a war zone without a shirt on. It seems like you want to wear more uh, protective gear, not less.
1: Yeah, I feel like that that moment in time of them trying to make that game Fortnite is wild to me because not only can you play with Snoop Dogg, but you can also play with Nicki Minaj, and it's like, okay. All right, we get it. So
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously I bought Nicki Minaj. I had to. Her yeah. guns are sick. And I think I I got Snoop too. But that's because I knew who they were. I didn't know who Twenty One Savage was until you told me.
1: Right. <laughs> Anyways, well, uh, I think we've uh <laughs> I think we spent enough time on uh going through who killer mike was. Um, why don't we get into who's actually in this movie?
0: What do you think? Uh yeah, I mean I would I would guess 1978 uh would have been well before killer mike's time <laughs> to be in things. But uh but yeah, so like looking at the uh getting to the Cast and crew of Piranha. Hopefully everyone watched the right Piranha. You didn't get stuck accidentally watching the 1995 one. And I actually couldn't find Piranha 3D anywhere. So I think that it's not really streaming right now either. So I guess this is probably the easiest one to find. It's probably for the best. Uh, I actually liked Piranha 3D. It was the one double D three double D is terrible. And I think it's on Amazon streaming for free. It's like, well, who wants to watch that? (laughs) <laughs> but anyways piranha some consider to be the best of the uh jaws ripoffs is directed by joe dante i believe it was joe dante's first uh full-length feature film uh working under the uh famous you know tutelage of uh roger corman producer extraordinaire um but obviously, like, since then, Joe Dante, like, other directors like James Cameron, and, I mean, you could count all of the, the famous directors that worked under Roger Corman. And, and and it's actually kind of funny, so this is Joe Dante's first feature. Uh, Piranha 2, The Spawning, the sequel to this, was the first feature film uh, directed by James Cameron. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> these two, and these two, like, l- famous directors... Like get their start with the piranha series.
1: That's wild. I did not know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Dante, uh, known for The Howling. Uh, I think we mentioned that when we were doing our Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf episode mm-hmm. about how Joe Dante did the first The Howling. He did not do the second, as we know. Uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, which I believe was a multiple director collaboration. I want to say John Landis was involved with that, um, among others. Uh, probably Spielberg Joe Dante. Too. Who's sorry?
1: Spielberg, too.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Um then probably Joe Dante's most important uh contribution to uh worldwide cinema, Gremlins. Um <laughs> uh, and then obviously Gremlins 2, the new batch later, which you know there's a lot of debate about what's the finest of the Gremlins films. Um and I for a long time it was actually unsafe to say gremlins to the new batch it was like it was uh you know kind of cool to like hate on that one but i think in in recent years as those of us who loved it have gotten older and started controlling the narrative now we can say no 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 give me my one with electric gremlin give me my one with bat gremlin <laughs> like give me the one with the gremlin who leads them in a resounding uh sing-along of uh new york new york <laughs> That's that's the gremlins that we all know and love. Not that I don't love the first gremlins as well, but, you know, gremlins two is finally getting its day in the sun, much like the uh, bat gremlin that got a shot of uh, that sunscreen concoction that allowed it to come outside during the day, only for it to be defeated by uh, Nick uh, Dick Miller when he (laughs) took control of the cement truck and poured cement on the bat gremlin do you know what i'm talking about or am i just saying no i do i liked
1: i liked your slip though nick miller with the
0: oh nick miller is the character from that television program yeah Mm Mm-hmm. yeah
1: we always make the older reference so
0: yes it's all day um yeah murray futterman is his name is uh dick miller's name in that in the gremlins films Anyways, uh, other Joe Dante stuff, uh, Explorers, Inner Space, uh, Amazon Women on the Moon, The Burbs, um, Small Soldiers, which is one that comes up for me probably more often than it should. Uh, Looney Tunes Back in Action, which I didn't realize he directed that. Um, That was like the lesser of the Looney Tunes movies that came out. Um, Burying the X. And then most recently, he was collaborating on Nightmare Cinema, which was uh, like an anthology film that I can't remember who else. There's other people who collaborated on that. Let me see if I can find who else collaborated.
1: In terms of directors or?
0: Yeah, the other directors.
1: McGarris and Alejandro Bruges? Bruges? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he Portuguese? Is he and Then
0: Ryuhei Kinomura, and uh looks like David Slade. But the one, yeah, the, the big one for me was Mick Garris, who I have talked about before that Mick Garris is <laughs> directed. He did what, the 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 Stand miniseries? Not the most recent one that was on, like, CBS All Access slash Paramount mm-hmm. Plus, but the one from, like, the late 90s. Um. And then also obviously Critter two. critters too. Critter 2. 2. Yeah, critters 2, the main course. We all know. I have brought it up too many times, probably. <laughs> but yeah, there you go. that's nah, okay. So Nightmare Cinema, and it's a pretty good one. I like Nightmare Cinema. It was on. It was streaming on Tubi. No, it was streaming on Shutter for a while, and I think it was on Tubi, and now I'm not sure where it is. But if you can track down Nightmare Cinema, pretty good. Um, next up, uh, is the writers. Um, there are two credited writers. Uh, one is Richard Robinson, who's got a story credit. Uh, and then John sales, who has like the, you know, the bulk of it, the, the screen, the big screenwriting credits for it. Um, for Richard Robinson, uh, a small amount of things, but big ones. And by that, I mean, big bugs because Kingdom of the Spiders is on there. <laughs> and and uh, also uh Don't know what that is. And then he has also a story credit on Piranha 1995. It's Probably one of those uh vestigial credits that like he got credit for the story on the original, so he's got to get credit for the story on the remake, you know. Mm-hmm. This is how it is, and then uh, for John Sales, he has a, a lot of certified bangers on his list. We got ourselves uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, Alligator, you know, Alligator being another one of those Jaws ripoffs, but this time it's an Alligator. Uh, Writing credit on The Howling. So, you know, obviously he's got some uh, experience, you know, continuing to work with Joe Dante, Uh, the brother from another planet. He also had credit for actually writing uh, Piranha, uh, the 1995 version, Uh, the Spiderwick Chronicles and then Amigo. So those are some some stuff for John Sayles. He also has uh, acting credits and um, I think he might even have some directing ones. Uh, but he has a he has like thirty some odd acting credits, usually cameo appearances in movies that he was involved in. Um, for instance, he actually has an acting credit in this movie, as uh, he's listed as Sentry. He he is the guard, I believe, who is distracted uh, oh, during a pivotal okay. during that's a pivotal scene. <laughs> yeah during a that's, pivotal scene that you and I were discussing before starting our recording today. That's, that's good. It is good. Um, next up is music. The composer is, uh, Pino Donaggio. Um, a lot of Italian films on his list of credits for like, you know, doing the music. Um, I w- didn't recognize a lot of those, but I did take down anything that I did. Um, so, you know, don't look now, which is funny. Cause we had that, uh, trivia about don't look now a couple episodes back. Um, we did. Yeah. Carrie tourist trap, Uh, Dressed to Kill, The Howling, uh, Body Double, Savage Dawn, uh, The Barbarians, which is like one of those kind of crappy sword and sorcery movies that I sometimes put on just to play in the background while I'm like reading or something. Um, (laughs) Gore, Gore 2, Two Evil Eyes, which is one that came up for us because it was the like uh, George Romero and I believe Dario Argento project where they worked together. It was like an anthology film. And it had uh Tom Atkins in it. And we I think we talked about it during the Maniac Cop episode. So who's, to, who's Tom Atkins again? Wow. <laughs> Is that what we're gonna do tonight? We're gonna fight.
1: <laughs> no, I was just trying to cue you up for a good solid Tom Atkins plug.
0: Yeah, here's a Tom Atkins plug. The hoodie that I had on yesterday. <laughs> I finally <laughs> got my uh that I sent you a picture of it, the thrill me hoodie from Night yeah, of the Christmas. Yeah, it finally one. came, so yeah, I've been wearing my Tom Atkins hoodie pretty much all the time. You
1: should post that on Instagram and tag me.
0: What, just a picture of the hoodie? Y-
1: yeah, that's funny.
0: All right, yeah, I'll get on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, some other music for Pino Donagio, uh, Oblivion, and then Seed of Chucky. So that was kind of where I left off on him. He has a lot more credits than that, though. These are just like some of the highlights for me, for things that I recognize and things that were in... Uh, English, <laughs> so I could actually understand what the title was. Did you have anything to add for that? I know sometimes you'll pick up on stuff music-wise that I don't quite No, see. I think
1: you did did a great job.
0: Alright, next up is, uh, I I mentioned to you before we started this, uh, the makeup departments and the visual effects departments for this are a lot of people deep, but I decided to go with, like, the bigger names, the ones that had, like, really long careers afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um and, and pick a couple of them out because we just don't have time to go through every single person who was like on the makeup and, and, and effects departments for this, uh, for the makeup department, I went with Rob Botton, who I believe was 17 at the time of the, of this film being made and was recommended by, um, whoever the original visual effects artist was, uh, that they wanted for it. They, he ended up suggesting Rob Botton. um, so, pretty long career here. There is uh, Squirm, uh, King Kong, the 70s version, uh, a little movie you might have heard of called uh, Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Um, What's that about? Uh, it's basically like Akira Kurosawa's hidden fortress, but in space.
1: Oh, it's uh, like Frank Herbert's Dune?
0: No, not very much like that, no. <laughs> um. There's uh, The Fog, which I have brought up before because Tom Atkins, uh, Maniac, The Howling, which uh, so many of these people are involved in The Howling. It's kind of wild to me. It is um, crazy. The Thing, uh, Twilight Zone, the movie, Legend, Inner Space, Robocop, uh, The Great Outdoors, Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Seven, Mission Impossible, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Fight Club. Uh, Charlie's Angels and Mr. Deeds and I think the only reason I brought up Charlie's Angels was because I just talked to you about Charlie's Angels recently because we're talking about
1: Crispin Glover
0: because of the yeah the Crispin Glover theme song that samples the Godzilla theme (laughs) yeah (laughs) see everything comes together and everything makes sense Uh, for the visual effects the representative I chose for that is uh, a name that some people recognize it's Phil Tippett he's so many credits for his effects work: uh, the Crater Lake Monster, uh, also Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, and Star Wars Episode Five: Empire Strikes Back. Um, also, Dragon Slayer, uh Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Howard the Duck. So you're starting to see a lot of like ILM work, like like George Lucas's like effects company. He was working mm-hmm. for ILM a lot, so that's why you'll recognize a lot of these movies. Um, house to the second story, which is not the first time house to the second story has come up uh, in this podcast. Uh, we should do that for the for this sometime. Oh, for sure. Uh, Robocop, uh, Robocop 2 and Robocop 3, Willow, uh, Jurassic Park. And Phil Tippett got kind of memed for Jurassic Park because his job title was like dinosaur supervisor or something. <laughs> if you're like Phil, you had one job, it was like a little meme from that. Um, let cute. me see: uh, Tremors 2, Aftershocks, uh, Dragonheart, Starship Troopers, uh, The Haunting, Evolution, The Spiderwick Chronicles, uh, Twilight, New Moon, Twilight, uh, Eclipse, Twilight, Breaking Dawn Part One and Two. Um, and then his most recent credit was actually a Shutter original movie that Phil Tippett was like did the effects work for, but also like directed, and it's like his vision through and through, which is Mad God which was like a claymation movie that was on hmm. shutter. That was a pretty interesting one. It's not a long one, but like, there's no actual dialogue. It's all told through like just, you know, exposition. Like you just like you watch it happen and just like get the context from the action. Um, so there you go. Phil Tippett certified banger after banger for this dude.
1: Hmm. Except for twilight, but we won't get into that, I guess.
0: um, look
1: i mean there was nothing wrong with the special effects
0: he he had it well i don't know breaking dawn whenever the uh the baby that they have the what is it oh
1: yeah that was terrible
0: renesme the the the, whenever she's like i forgot about that yeah that was horrifying but no i think that (laughs) especially new moon and eclipse when compared to the first one's like visual effects they were both huge steps up and it's like they decided to forego all of that work and make this like monstrosity of a digital baby so i kind of baby yeah i kind of have a problem with the fact that i have so much knowledge of the twilight series of movies that yeah, i'm just like
1: saying anything but jeez,
0: yeah let me explain to you where you're right and where you're wrong um but yeah that was all i wanted to cover for like the uh, like i said there's so many other effects people that you could get into because there's just a ton of them probably because of all like the Um, A lot of the times I'd read that like the piranhas when you do see them were just like puppets on like sticks. (laughs) They're like (laughs) being held by like effects workers. So you don't say (laughs) those weren't real piranhas eating people. Piranha, I guess, because piranha is plural. It's like fish, right? Like piranha and piranha. Like, oh, there's one piranha or there's a whole herd of piranha. There's. School, I guess you wouldn't really call it a herd. Anyways, next up is the cast. We're going to start with our heroic hero of the movie, which is Paul Grogan. is played by Bradford Dillman, um, a man who was unhappy with how thinly written his character was until they explained that Roger Corman just like has thinly written characters. But since he's a real actor, they could flesh it out a little more if they wanted to. So they gave him a tragic backstory about his, the dissolution of his marriage and alcoholism. Um, yeah, it was pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, his credits, just a ton of Western TV shows. Like, I don't want to go through, like, the standard suite of them, but you know them. Like, your bonanzas, your rawhides, your... Like, I don't know which ones, but there's a bunch of, like, those Western TV shows from the 60s uh, era. Um, he had Escape from the Planet of the Apes, uh, Moon of the Wolf. Uh, Bug, The Swarm, Sudden Impact, uh, Lords of the Deep, which uh, viewers who like Mystery Science Theater 3000 will recognize Lords of the Deep was uh, one of the episodes they did. Um, and then also uh, he had eight episodes of Murder, She Wrote, which I just thought was funny because it looked like he played a different character in each episode. It's like, geez, Bradford Dillman, why don't you like stop coming to the Angela Lansbury well for a second and get another job? Um, next up is our female lead, uh, Heather, uh, Menzies Ulrich. Uh, and this one, I think she was just, uh, credited as Heather Menzies. Cause she hadn't changed her professional name, but she was married, uh, at the time to the Ulrich of it all. Uh, she plays, um, Maggie McGowan. Uh, I think it's how you pronounce her last name. Um, I'll just refer to her as Maggie. Cause that's easier to pronounce. Uh, she was in a little a little musical you may have heard of called the sound of music uh she's like uh the sound of music mm, it's you... the w- one where the hills are alive with the sound of reckoning
1: uh.
0: <laughs> um yeah In- so insert slayer yeah there you go yeah like sound of music just one of those like lighthearted musicals that involves nazism uh but also like, she was one of the, like the von trapp sisters i gather there were several of them I don't know if she was the one that was, what, 16 going on, 17? I don't know which one. Is that who she was? No,
1: that's the oldest sister.
0: Okay. No, she was
1: the next youngest sister, Louisa.
0: Cool. I'll take your word for it. Um, Okay. Do you think that the Hills that were alive with The Sound of Music were also the ones that had eyes in the Wes Craven movie? (laughs) I mean... Probably not because one was in, like, what, the Arizona desert and the other one was in Austria. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it could be be a different place. Probably close to each other. Sure. I mean, mountains, all pretty much the same.
1: Hey, those hills could have eyes, too. We don't know.
0: We don't. Um, All right, then uh, the computer wore tennis shoes, but not like the Kirk Cameron remake. It was the original one. Um, (laughs) She was in... do You remember? S- yeah, I brought up s- before the snake movie. <laughs> she was in fourteen episodes of the Logan's Run television program, and then Endangered Species, and I believe that was her final credit. Um, kind of a sad but interesting detail is that both her and Bradford Dillman like passed away within like six months of one another. Uh, I think both due to cancer, unfortunately. Um, So not a fun fact, but an interesting one, nonetheless. Um, So now that I've brought us down, let's raise us back up with Dr. Robert Hoke as played by Kevin McCarthy. Uh, He was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And uh, Shane, I know you're wondering, was it the 50s one or the 70s one?
1: Which one was it?
0: It was both.
1: It was both.
0: It was both. Like he had an actual he role in the 50s both one. bodies. Yes. And then in the 70s, one, it was more like a glorified cameo, which I know you were not happy about that. Um, yeah, give the man his due. I mean, he was in it, though, at least, you know, that's nice to see. Yeah. But then he was also in a little movie called The Howling, um, Twilight Zone, the movie, Invitation to Hell, uh, Inner Space, uh, Dark Tower. Uh, but not the one with Idris Elba. Um, The Burbs, UHF, uh, Ghoulies Go to College, which is probably my second favorite Ghoulies. Uh, He's in uh, one episode each of Batman, the animated series, and uh, Tales from the Crypt. So it's like he's just going to check off television programs that I love. Yeah, he's hitting all your boxes today. (laughs) He he really is. Um, Yeah, it's Adam's Family Reunion. Uh, the the Legend of Razorback, uh, and then I think his last credit, I don't remember for sure, was Looney Tunes Back in Action. So another collab with our man Joe Dante. Uh, next up is Dr. Uh, Mengers, as played by Barbara Steele. Uh, she's got some pretty good stuff. Um, Black Sunday, The Pit and the Pendulum, uh, Eight and a Half. Terror Creatures from Beyond the Grave, which you don't really have to specify if it's Beyond the Grave. I already think it's terror-filled. terror, terror filled. Uh, She-Beast, uh, Caged Heat, uh, Shivers, which Shivers is one of the, probably not the better of the David Cronenberg films, if I'm recalling which movie that is correctly. Uh, the Boneyard Collection, La Fantôme, uh, and then a recent one that's kind of of interest to me, at least, was she was in the Castlevania anime series, mm-hmm. so um, pretty cool. Uh, next up is Colonel Waxman, as played by Bruce Gordon. Uh, he had a mostly TV show appearances, so I just picked a few: uh, Bonanza, Get Smart, Jackie Gleason Show, Perry Mason, The Untouchables, uh, and then Peter Gunn, and then also like a movie like rider on a dead horse some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he has a ton of credits but like most of them were just like very much old television programs and stuff like that. Um next is our man Buck Gardner, is played by Dick Miller. Um I didn't go too into Dick Miller cuz we already had Dick Miller in an episode and mm-hmm. talked about him extensively. And I which episode was that actually that we talked about Dick Miller? It was in Give me one second. Chopping mall. Was the chopping mall the one he was in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ultra, he was the he patient. was the yeah, he was the same character he plays in so many things. Yeah. And, like and the, he was like the janitor who had an altercation with the robot that yeah. ended in his demise. So yeah, go back to the chopping mall episode if you want to hear me talk more about Dick Miller. But you know, obviously tons of collaborations with um with Joe Dante. Um, you know, the burbs, gremlins, uh, small soldiers, uh, he was in Terminator briefly is like the gun salesman. That's like selling the Terminator, the guns and get shot by him. Uh, Tales Classic. from the Crypt, Demon Knight, tons of, tons of great stuff for him. So Dick Miller, he's a real one. Um, well, not in this one. In this one, he's a pretty bad dude, which is kind he's of a, a bad bummer. one. Yeah. He's a bad one. Next up is one of the camp counselors, Laura, is played by Melody Thomas Scott. She had some like uh older movies, The Beguiled, The Shootist, uh she had one episode of Diagnosis Murder, an episode of My Name is Earl, an episode of Castle. And then she had, if I was reading the credits correctly, uh 3,462 episodes of The Young and the Restless over the course yeah, of like three wild. decades. <laughs> yeah. So she had a lot of stuff going on with that show. Next up is another of the counselors, Betsy, as played by Belinda Belaski. And she both has a bunch of stuff that she was doing before she started becoming a collaborator with, um, with Joe Dante. And then Joe Dante seems like just put her in everything else afterwards. So she had Locusts, uh, The Food of the Gods, which I think The Food of the Gods, if I'm not wrong, is a giant rat movie. Uh, Till Death, The Howling, Gremlins, Explorers, Amazon Women on the Moon, Gremlins two, the New Batch, Small Soldiers, The Vampire Hunter Club, uh, Vampire Hunters Club, Nightmare Cinema, and then Nasty was her uh, most recent credit. So yeah, she's in a ton of stuff for, with Joe Dante at the helm, which is cool to see. Next up is Dumont, as played by Paul Bartel, which I don't remember how much I talked about him. But he was also in Chopping Mall. Do you remember his character in that? No. He was the that bland couple that were like doing the comedy bit at the beginning. Uh, he was like the male component of that couple. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember at the beginning when I was like, this is, I think this is yeah, supposed to be funny, sure. but it's really not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's him. Huh. So, yeah, Death Race 2000, Frank and Weenie, National Lampoon's European Vacation munchies amazon women on the moon caddy Two, 2, gremlins Two, um usual suspects joe's apartment those are just some ones that i got down for him because i can't remember how much i covered him then because i remember being unimpressed with his character in that but in this one his character is a standout so i was like i guess i better give him his give him his due now you know better late than never no that's for sure and now we're just going to run through some really quick one-offs uh jack uh the friendly uh, neighbor um, of our hero, Paul uh, is played by Keenan Wynn. Uh, he's in Annie, get your gun. Dr. Strange love the Clonus horror, the last unicorn, an episode of tales from the dark side, the Goonies mirrors and so on and so forth. Uh, Susie Grogan, Paul's uh, daughter. Who's at the summer camp. Uh, is played by Shannon Collins, tiger's tail, Carver's gate, virtual corporation. She doesn't have a, a ton of stuff in her career. Then the, our first two victims, uh, Barbara Randolph, is played by Janie Squire. Uh, she was in Carrie, Inner Space, and in The Killing Zone. Uh, and then last is David, is played by Roger Richman. Uh, Switchblade Sisters, but then he also had uh, some stunt work. And the most recent stunt thing that he had was Tenacious D in The Pick of Destiny. So obviously, I had to write it down.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yes, it is. So there you go. I, I kind of glazed over a couple of people, because there are some other people that might be interesting um for instance yeah. uh dick miller's assistant whitney had a few credits it looked interesting but it's like we can't get everybody we can't get every human being nah, on yeah so there you go that is the cast or as much as i was going to cover of the cast
1: cast and or crew
0: and or crew
1: anyone of note
0: well that seems that seems rude but yes also anyone of note yes that's i um, can't
1: believe you didn't want to talk about the damn guard mike sullivan
0: uh why would i want to talk about him but is he do anything interesting no Oh, you doing a bit
1: <laughs> thanks dude <laughs> nothing gets past you
0: world's greatest Back detective in...
1: nothing gets over your head you're too fast right
0: good old marvel joke oh man i didn't realize phil Tippett played one of the scuba divers probably the one that died it is. It definitely is. If you look at him, you'll know.
1: Yeah. I know that panic looked in his eyes. I can tell.
0: Let's see what Mike Sullivan has on him. Nothing. It's like two other things. Yeah. Deadly hero and utterly without yeah. redeeming uh, social value. That's the name of a movie. Not me saying that about him. No, oh, yeah, no I... way. <laughs> they wait. What? What? They have somebody credited as Brandy. Yeah. The dog.
1: Yeah, I know. I wasn't going to say anything. I really didn't know what to do. Um,
0: Did you you look at his? Yeah. The other credit for that dog is an anime. Right. (laughs) And also, he said the dog, Brandy, is played by Jack Cardwell. I think something got wrong. Something got messed up. There's no way that. Yeah, because
1: if you go into Jack Cardwell, it says uh, Area 88 is a voiceover.
0: I mean, I guess it's possible to have a dog do a voiceover, but I feel like that's got to be a mistake.
1: Unless Unless that's the dog's name.
0: (laughs) Jack Cardwell. (laughs) I mean, I I mean, people name their dogs all sorts of things these days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh...
0: Well, uh, then now that I've covered the cast and crew as thoroughly as I will be bothering to do, do you know what time it is now? Uh,
1: 1041.
0: Yeah, but you also know it. it's time for- Yeah, how's it
1: feel? How's it feel when your partner, when you line it up like that and they just do that to you? You tell me.
0: <laughs> What's well, it time for? You're technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, what it is actually time for is the plot description. Wow.
1: moving around your mic with your face yeah and it's See, hilarious to me i'm gonna make a doppler effect yeah um, well what's great for discord is that when you get so far away it just cuts your sound um but I i'll gotten hear gotten it that far I'll, away i don't think no it's just it's the noise canceling in discord but when, when it's funny i'll hear it in the in the editing
0: <laughs> so well, there you go um okay so, Piranha. New World well, Picture. What? What's going don't on? Don't
1: worry, folks. Our our long running theme recently is still continues in this movie. Uh, not on screen though. So,
0: wait, which thing are you talking about? The dead dog. The dog doesn't die in this. Uh, they find the dog bones in the bottom of the. Oh, 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 oh! Yeah, that's true. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought you meant brandy. No, no, Jack Cardwell makes it. Jack Cardwell, the dog. <laughs> All right, so New World Pictures. That's right. It's Roger Corman's company. Uh, it's over at first, what looks like regular water, but then, uh, what is it? It turns like, um, like red, right? And then it, it's like, and then it's blue lettering. Um, it's I think it's the other way, blue with red lettering. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the closing credits. Either way, yep. um, we get the... Uh, yeah, we get a little bit of... Oh, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird looking because it's kind of a black background with like yellow letters for a little bit and then it's weird blue-black ones. I don't know. It's kind of... It, look, I don't know what they're up to. It doesn't matter. We're done with that. We're going to pan down to a chain-link fence with barbed wire and a no trespassing sign. Surely... This means that no one will trespass. Um, And it is nighttime and we get a, a couple hiking through the woods and the couple is uh, we'll find out is uh, Barbara and David. Um, They, uh, you know, given that it's night, they say they need to make camp soon. There's one thing that you do when you're backpacking in the woods is you wait till after nightfall to set up camp. That's what everyone does. Like, yeah, totally. nothing like setting up camp and, pitch yeah, darkness the dark. of, yeah
1: like, so then you don't remember where the strings are for the tent it's great that's how you're supposed to do it
0: makes total sense um yeah they so they get to like the no trespassing sign and the fence it's like very uh unwelcoming uh but david suggests uh to barbara they go in and explore uh barbara is wondering why this place wasn't on the map um which you know the guy the guy like correctly suggests that it's a secret because it is like a secret facility that's run by the government. We also learn later that it existed before the government bought it. So it's like, well, then why wouldn't it have been on a
1: map? Um Yeah. I didn't think about that though. right now. I know that yeah, is, these things like That is good. That's yeah. funny. Uh
0: but yeah, so they go in and they find a artificial uh body of water. Uh Barbara says far out so that we remember that we're in the 70s. Far um Oh man. Yeah. Uh so, you know, she approaches the water. Um, and what we get a, uh, cutaway to a pair of inhuman eyes opening, uh, presumably a piranha because, uh, I, I can't remember what happened. Like she like touched the water and was like, Oh, this water is amazing. And the piranha opened its eyes because now it knows it's time to devour some hapless teens. I thought she said Uh, cold. Didn't she say cold? She's, she says that it's nice. It's um, it's salt water. You're right. You're right. It's, uh, the one who says it's cold. I'm thinking is, of the boat scene
1: or the raft scene.
0: The, well, the one who says that it's cold is actually, um, uh, the, whenever, uh, Paul is there with, uh, with Maggie later.
1: Gotcha. Oh, he okay, says okay. it's
0: cold, but no, she says it's nice. Um, and then Barbara, you know, who's reluctant to actually enter the fence, uh, now is no longer reluctant and insists they jump into the water in order to wash off, uh, because apparently they're really funky from their walk and she says it'll be gross for them to be in the sleeping bag. Um and th- and that's the other thing is like it's like man, how many bad decisions can you possibly make? Like going into a no trespassing place and is going to like a body of water, like it's an artificial body of water. Like you know what we should definitely do? Jump in this water that we don't know what it's used it's for. Like immediately take off all your clothes and jump in the water. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing is like so Barbara like they, like the dude is like uncertain still. And she just like hauls off and pushes him in. Um, and then, uh, you know, Barbara, yeah, she disrobes and hops in herself. Uh, and then whenever she hops in, like David's like, Hey, why'd you bite me for? And she's like, I didn't bite you. You're crazy, dude. And guess what bit him? Shane it was Piranha in order to, uh, attract as much attention as possible. They decide they want to do a swimming race. Um, But, you know, David, uh, in the midst of it, is starting to get devoured. And we do get some of the traditional bloody water. This is kind of the problem with a lot of this movie is you don't see a ton of what's going on. It's just like blood water, which sometimes is effective and sometimes it's just annoying. Um, So, yeah, uh, Barbara yells for David, uh, despite the fact that it's not a very big pool of water and he's definitely not surfaced so
1: yeah and like obviously it's like oh man you swimming over to help him is gonna really do something
0: yeah that'll that'll help but yeah i know she starts to get eaten as well um she actually makes it to the end of the pool but she's unable to pull herself up so you get like a bloody hand out of the water before she gets pulled in by the piranhas and she gets eight um and that's the other thing that was like they both jumped into that pool without like i don't know seeing if there's a ladder. That they could get out of there, <laughs> like used to get out of there, or like so they're pretty look much in the water, they're pretty much toast. Oh, yeah, even look in the water, yeah. But so she's dead, but it, like after all of the screaming between her and, and David, um, the lights to the nearby facility turn on, and a man that presumably is Dr. Hoke, who we'll get to know later, um, he goes and looks out, but it's too late, and they've been eaten so. No, oh, now is when we get a shot of the water, and it's uh, the red yeah. letters of the Piranha logo, and then the water turns to red, and then the credits show up in white lettering over the red-tinted water. Yeah, there we yeah. go. That's the part that I was looking at. I knew my Nailed notes would let me down. Got it in one. Got it in one. Yeah, edit out the part where I thought it was earlier. It was kind of cool looking. No, it definitely was, yeah. I mean, it's just, just a red tint of water, but yeah, it gets the idea across that like people will be bleeding. Um. I was the music is just your standard, like slow orchestral suite, you know, putting on a little more airs than the movie deserves, but that's fine. Um, I do kind of wish that some of these seventies movies would stop taking an orchestral swing and just give me some synth, but that's fine. We'll get back to the eighties. Eventually. Yes. Yeah. Smash cut to someone playing an old jaws video game. <laughs> the woman is our female lead Maggie. Um, some guy, presumably her boss is over renting a car, like, like organizing a car rental for her because they're at, like, a Hertz at, like, an airport. And the reason is uh, for all of this is, what, she's a skip tracer. She's going to, like, try to go figure out what happened to the missing girl, Barbara. um, right. Yeah, and he's, like, her boss is kind of doubtful of her abilities. He's like, all your other jobs have been inside the city. And she's like, hey, I'm two-thirds Bloodhound. I have captured, and she, like, goes through a list of, like, her successful retrieval efforts. Um, she's not actually two-thirds Bloodhound, though. This is not... Wait, what? This isn't uh, related to the Howling movie. Um, but then we get like him almost vindicated because she's absent-minded, because she re- turns around realizing she forgot her ticket, but the boss still had it and hands it to her. And kind of makes a fuss about how, it's my money that's being put up for all this. It's like, okay, dude, just chill out. Although, it turns out he was right, because, like, whatever that vehicle is that uh, was rented from the Hertz was, like, that Jeep, because of, like, how rough the roads are supposed to be where she's going. And uh, how long does she have that thing before it's completely wrecked?
1: <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's great. Like, yeah, yeah
0: 12 calendar hours. <laughs> but, yeah, so. um, They never resolve that. Uh, other than that they That's can't great. drive it. <laughs> like, Insurance um, fraud. Yeah, well, I mean. I mean, technically, she's not the one who crashes it, but I doubt that they're going to care about that, especially considering the person who did crash it, especially
1: after the piranhas.
0: Well, that's the thing is like insurance companies, like how do they handle that? Is it considered an act of God or is it an act of Dr. Hoke? But anyways, uh, cut to an old man who we will later learn is uh, or not even later, just pretty much immediately learn is. Uh, Jack, the, um, other alcoholic on the river, um, yeah. alongside our man, Paul. Uh, so yeah, uh, Jack and Brandy, his dog, you know, go to Paul's house. What is it? Jack is like pulling a wagon, which seems like it's just full of alcohol. And, uh, what a convenient uh, co- uh, coincidence. Cause Paul is already sitting on his porch, drinking tequila out of a f- giant flask. It's more like a canteen. He's using it as a flask.
1: Yeah, you know you got problems with your repurposing. So was he a vet?
0: Which one? Like, w- like
1: a Vietnam vet? Were they trying to imply that? Because he he brings up some
0: stuff about the war. All he really says is that the war was over, though. Yeah, but then he's got like the canteen and uh, if he was a vet, I, he seems like he's a little old to have been a vet of Vietnam. Well, maybe he was. Or is that I him
1: just trying to add in? I mean, dude, it was it started in the '60s
0: the yeah well that's true it was a very long war but he also like the reason they give for his alcoholism is that his wife left him right they don't actually bring up like and like if he was in the war the only thing he really says about the war is like whenever like the scientists are explaining it's like uh, oh we're making uh killer piranhas to fight the war for us He's like the war's over (laughs) it's like yeah but he's like there will be other wars and we'll need these piranhas for when they happen but hey spoiler alert where our wars recently have been like in the middle east
1: yeah right. a lot
0: of utility to piranha out there well there's one piranha that would help but we'll get to that in a minute oh yeah that thing okay well yeah we'll talk about it we'll get there yeah we'll, we'll get there um yeah so anyways these are our local alcoholics uh paul tells jack that he imagines that he misses whatever his job was, but Jack is like, "No, no, no, uh, I have the river. The river gives me what I want to eat. It washes my clothes. It sustains me. He like goes on this like wax poetic about the river. I was like, Jack, we just met you dude. <laughs> We're not ready for this long right speech And he's like, "And of course, I've got my dog brandy <laughs> And he turns to his dog. yeah and then he asks, uh, like Jack asks um, Paul what he has. And Paul says tequila. It's like, uh, <laughs> oh, geez. Um, yeah, but, uh, cut over to Maggie. What's she up to? She's in the Jeep off-roading or like, I, I guess it's a road, but it's like a very poorly maintained road. As I put in my notes, it's like off-roading or at least a uh, very poorly maintained roading. Uh, the vehicle overheats due to the rough conditions she's putting it through. Um, so she goes to knock on a door. So, Okay here's the thing i thought she was going to knock on a door nearby because she's having car trouble but when she knocks on the door and it's paul's she's like is it are you paul grogan like she was looking for him and it never really explains why she was looking for him other than that he's a local resident right um but yeah so, she, so this is when we find out what Maggie's maggie yeah, She's weird. yeah yeah so she explains that she's a skip tracer uh you know paul is like regarding with suspicion is like what did my ex-wife send you and he's like no i'm looking for the missing teens and like explains about the two who are out backpacking they end up going missing so her i think it's barbara's father is the one who hired her like company um it's kind of a funny scene though cuz she's like explaining like what she's up to why she's there and paul uh proving that he's kind of a jag is just ignoring her and eating a fish he had just grilled up. (laughs) It's like, yeah, it's like, well, have you tried the police? And she's like, yeah, dude. (laughs) Like, How do you think I got this far? And that's kind of what I assumed is the police were probably like, oh, yeah, there's totally a guy named Paul in the woods who will definitely help you out, like just being dismissive of her as they are of Paul throughout the movie. The cops do not like him. Then, uh, yeah, Paul's like explaining to her, um, you know who's around on the river it's like well there's jack who lives up the way and then there's also the old army test site uh that closed five or six years ago and she's like all right come on let's go uh so she's decided to make uh him her guide and despite we've we've come to know about his personality he guess agrees to do it um, well yeah it was just like
1: i don't know taking me up there and it's like like smash and the, cut and then
0: in the next scene she's like yeah like, like in yeah. the jeep on their way or they're already at the site right and, yeah, and then like, she's and it's the exact same like no trespassing sign from before and i was like they kind of made a deal about how like she might be absent-minded and might not actually be as good at her job as she was like boasting but she literally like within the same day has already found where the kids went missing it's like I guess she must actually be good at her job. Like I don't know why they played it for laughs. Like she was like not because she actually seems to be. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. So they they go into the fence as well, and they're walking around the just the facility. And I was like, hey, for a place that's been closed for f- like five or six years, it's very well maintained, <laughs> uh, which they don't seem to take note of. But I feel like it's maybe it's just one of those movie things that you never really notice. Like how in like the TV show The Walking Dead lawns are still mowed. And then was it uh yeah, while they're walking through the facility, uh Paul still has his canteen of alcohol with him. So it's like, oh man, he's he's gone so far in his alcoholism.
1: Okay. Can we can we talk about something real quick? Sure. Okay. If you were to beat a fence open with a hatchet and then proceed to run down a hill. Which way would you hold the axe blade?
0: If, uh, what do you, I guess. Did you face
1: it up towards you or down towards the ground?
0: Down towards the ground.
1: Okay. She ran the entire way down that hill, the actress did, with the axe blade facing her the whole time. So, dude, if she would have tripped, that would went straight into her.
0: Oh, I didn't even notice that.
1: Oh, it bothered the shit out of me. I was so mad about that.
0: This is like this is like the slithest beer all over again.
1: Yeah, I, I actually had to rewind it. I'm like, did this, she fucking do this the entire way that, Yeah, the whole way the whole way into the facility, the axe head was facing up, like towards her. And she was like running at it with it cocked like in her hand. Like I was like, Holy shit.
0: Yeah, yeah unfortunately, so. I did not notice that. I apologize.
1: No, I just bothered the shit out of me.
0: Um, but yeah, no, no. So like uh in more of a, an example of how good Maggie is at her job they get down by like the pool and she like immediately finds Barbara's locket with her initials on it. Like, and this is when Paul puts his hand in the pool and uh, we hear for the first time, the sound of piranha attack approach, which uh, is a sound that definitely doesn't sound like what I would think a piranha sounds like. And based on the trivia uh, that I was reading, it was caught. It was like made by like, putting a drill bit into the water and recording it from underwater. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. That's how they made the sound apparently. And this is when Paul's like, Ooh, that's cold. And he lifts his hand up just in time to presumably not get bit because we do get like a piranha POV. as it like goes towards the hand, but it's gone yeah. before they can get there. Even though later we do see that they can jump out of the water. If they really want to, they're evolving. <laughs> they're learning. Um, since uh, and like, what is it? Um, Maggie or like Paul's like, well, they can't be dead here because their bodies would be on the surface. And Maggie's like, oh no, no, it takes uh, it takes time before the gases uh, blowed up enough for a body to float to the surface. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Salt water. But is that does that mean anything to salt water? Or is that just bodies in general?
1: No, I'm just like, cause salt, like, it's hard. It's easier to float in salt water.
0: Yeah, well, they don't know it's saltwater yet, though. Uh, Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, So the pair walk into the laboratory, uh, which is very clearly still manned. Lights are on everywhere. Equipment's running. There's still Bunsen burners burning. Yeah. Like, like the whole thing is just like, and there's even still, like, live animals for testing. And uh, and then I was like, is it at any point where they're going to be like, hey, this place still has people working there. But then I think they figured out when Maggie finds a still warm cup of coffee. And then what do we get, Shane? What do we get in the very next room? What should have been the whole plot of this movie. Yeah, we get the glimpse of that claymation fish lizard thing that will never show up after this like sequence of events here. Fucking it, pissed. It's just this like fish lizard thing made of claymation that's walking around. They they don't see it. It's like hiding behind shelves, but we see it. The yeah. audience sees it. It's like, hey, Joe, like, come on, Wh- yeah. Wh- what are you doing here, pal? Now I okay. <laughs> there, there's gonna be a couple more instances where I'm gonna bring up the lizard lizard fish thing because it it like has a couple like weird reaction shots in this. Yeah, in it's these great, scenes.
1: and so it's like smart, like it's sentient. Yeah, you
0: know? it definitely knows what's up yeah so apparently, this guy was
1: definitely friends with it too,
0: yeah, it was like his pal he he let it loose because there's another have been thing. the best
1: like e t buddy cop kind of like thing going on if they'd have brought that with them,
0: yeah, just a straight up like yeah, like a Mac and me like, that's what a- if well sorry, i don't' I'm gonna keep i keep
1: interrupting you, I'm sorry
0: well, no go ahead say what you want to say, so like,
1: like what if <laughs> revisionist history like <laughs> What if the fish would have been voiced by like James Earl Jones or something, and it would have went with him the whole time and did all the exposition on the fish?
0: (laughs) It would actually been pretty cool if it was sentient enough (laughs) that it could like explain to them all the stuff that like Doctor Hoke was supposed to do.
1: (laughs) Right, like they accidentally kill him in this next scene. Yeah, well they
0: very quickly do we do end up getting Doctor Hoke dead. But no, like so. But what I was going to tell you was what the intention was for this thing. So the plan was oh, no. that this thing would like keep showing up throughout the movie. It'd be getting bigger and bigger until like at the climax it would be like attacking a dock and that would be like the final boss of the movie would be this like claymation fish lizard Aww. but because of like you know Roger Corman's like you know no 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 you get a shoestring budget you only get enough to do X number of things they had to like basically rewrite it and w- then I guess the reason that uh that joe dante kept it in was just as a reference to like the ray harry Huesen thing and i was like i would see the ray harry Huesen of it all if it turned giant and they ended up in a giant like a fight against a giant claymation thing that's very much a mm. ray harry Huesen. right now it's just a very small claymation thing running around the laboratory barely having a couple reaction shots and that's it like that's not very ray harry Huesen. i'm sorry it's just not
1: i wonder if they like made it then they had to they're like. Well, what do we do now?
0: We already have this claymation thing. All right. It's like we gotta at least put it in a scene. But yeah. So, anyways, we'll. I'll. Like I said, there's gonna be a couple more times this fish lizard's gonna be mentioned, and then it's gone forever. Uh, gone from the movie, but not from our hearts. I think is what I put in my notes later. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's lots of uh, mutated corpses in jars that distract them, uh, distract them from seeing the fish lizard that's like lurking behind them. And they're all in varying states of, like, piranitization and lizardization kind of thing. In one tank, they see a mutated reptilian, like, fish puppet thing, which looks like it's, like, halfway between a, like, a piranha and whatever that other thing is. It's, like, out on land. You know, Paul wants to leave because, duh. But, um, literally in the very next room, Maggie finds the backpacks that belong to Barbara and David. Uh, Very clear evidence. <laughs> That they were here. Um, and this is the part where uh she thinks that their bodies must be in the water, but they haven't floated yet because there hasn't been enough time for the gases to bloat up their corpses. Um, so she wants to drain the drain the pond. Um, mm-hmm. she says that those words drain the pond. But according to I according to the no, no, she says pond, but according to <laughs> IMDB trivia, that it's it's uh because of the concrete uh the concrete barriers that like the concrete sides, it's actually technically a pool and not a pond. I mm. guess a pond has to be dirt. Hmm. So there you go. INDB roasted her. Um, I vote for her. Oh, okay. Uh, Paul <laughs> says that they probably need uh, someone's permission, uh, but Maggie doesn't care. She's just going to go and flip the, sh- the switch. Luckily there's a very well labeled thing that says drain this thing. Yeah, uh, but as soon as she hits the 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 um, lever to drain it, Doctor Robert Hope comes in and shouts, "You know what are you doing?" And he just starts trying to fight them, and, like instantly tries to fight Maggie's like ha- like attacking Paul with like looks like some kind of like skimmer for like a the for probably on the you know pool, uh, you know. Rather than I don't know using his words to explain that they're draining a pool full of murder fish into the local water supply, he just tries to fight them. Yeah, he's like, I'm just gonna kill him. Yeah. We get a brief reaction shot from our claymation fish lizard as it tries to scurry away from this confrontation. (laughs) Um it does like a little corner snipe look. It like, like is like hanging out around the corner and looking at him. Um meanwhile, uh you know, Maggie uh takes the opportunity to knock Dr. Hoke out. She like clubs him in the head with like a what looks like a pipe. I don't know what she used. Yeah, I don't know. She does that. That's her move. Oh, no, this is not the first time or this isn't the last time she's going to knock out a man (laughs) with whatever she's got available to her. But uh, she what is it? Uh, She or Paul scolds her for knocking out the doctor, but uh, it seems like he's more upset because his canteen flask is dented. (laughs) Um,
1: Oh, that's what that's what she hit him with.
0: Oh, was it the flask that she hit yeah, him with? Yeah, that's Okay, what it, that's what okay, it was. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, explains yeah. the dent. Um, yeah. and then like I think this might be yes, this is our last reaction shot from the fish lizard. So she insists that she wants a drink of it, and Paul's like, well, it's warm. You're not gonna like it. And she takes a drink of what I presume is warm tequila from a canteen. <laughs> uh, and she like kind of like has the reaction you expect. She is having a hard time swallowing that. And then we get a reaction shot from the claymation fish lizard to her struggling with the sip. And that's it. The last thing we get is it doing like a dog double take to her. Like, you know what I mean by that? A dog double take? Like like it does like a like a reaction shot. And then that's the end of the fish lizard. So, yeah, gone from the movie, but not from our hearts. They go out and investigate the pool, which has been drained. Um, You know, this is when Paul checks the water that's like coming from one of the pipes And notices that it's salt water, and he explains. You
1: think if like your whole life's mission is to not have that place drained, that you would disable that function,
0: or at least yeah, or at least like put up like a some kind of safeguard. Yeah, like what if like he tripped and just like hit it? Like that's the thing. It was like such an easy switch to hit, and well labeled. Like everything about it just like screams like like add some redundancy to this, man. (laughs) Like
1: like a moment of drunken stupor he's like i hate society and just like hits the
0: button yeah well he wouldn't do that because he's a dreamer according to dr mengers she says that multiple times she does um and also that she was apparently like had some kind of relationship with him yeah he's um, in the fish chicks <laughs> okay all right <laughs> um so yeah like what is it that is happening oh yeah this is the part where we get a little bit more like background about what this was like uh paul explains that this used to be a a fish hatchery before the army took it over uh hence why do you a good area for fish experiments but also um what that's why i was like well then why wouldn't it be on a map if it was a fish hatchery that was like run by like fish and game or whatever they find what is it they find some bones near like the drainage point uh but they identify them as dog bones so like you said dead dog street continues Hopefully, it doesn't last forever. I don't want the dead dog streak to last forever. Um, but luckily, this time, it's not at least, like, number one, a dog we've come to know and love, or number two, like, too gruesome of a shot of a dead dog. Yeah. Um, But they don't have a lot of time to ruminate on the implications of these uh, dog bones, because they hear the Jeep start up, and they see that Dr. Hoke is driving away in their vehicle because Maggie left the keys in it. Uh, but luckily, the doctor uh, is either terrible at driving or so thoroughly concussed yeah, that he forgets concussion. <laughs> he forgets he forgets how to drive, and he rolls that thing <laughs> like instantly. So they catch up to the rolled-over vehicle, and I, I put in my notes. I guess that's concussion number two for the doctor because <laughs> he's like got another head wound again. Maggie takes his pulse and determines that he's alive. Uh, not the first time that she'll be taking people's pulses. Um, then, uh, you know, we cut to, uh, well, they're at Paul's house and, uh, Dr. Hoke is waking up, but he's been tied to the bed. Um, and he's yelling at, like Dr. Hoke yells at Maggie about draining the pond and letting them out. You know, he's being, he's like vague booking this, like, just tell them what happened. <laughs> Look, I, I hate, I hate it when movies like this, where he'll be like, you've let them out. And if you tell the army, they'll kill all of us for this. It's like, for what? Like, like, use your words, dude. Like, I hate it when movies don't just say it. Because here's the thing. The characters in the movie, they don't know it's about Piranha. But I went to see a movie called Piranha, Shane. I know what's there. So, um, I just gotta
1: rewind a teeny bit. So, you know what, like, the best thing for a multiple head wound or head injury is? What's that? Definitely not sleep, which they do to this guy twice. It's a miracle this guy made it to morning.
0: Well, yeah, okay, that's true. Yeah, you're not supposed to sleep with a head wound. But but if you think about it, he's kind of a dick, so who cares? Um, yeah, that's the thing is they tie him up and then, well, we don't really see how they pass the night. It's possible that they like do the recommended, what, every two hours, wake him up and make sure he's not dead. I, I doubt it. Yeah, you, know, you don't think it seems like uh, no. uh, our drunk Paul and uh, Skip Tracer Maggie would have done the done their due diligence?
1: No, and this guy's not smart enough to ask, anyways. He like the worst self sacrifice I think I've seen in a movie.
0: But oh man, we're not even there yet, dude. I don't even. Oh man. Okay, yeah, let's get there because I want to talk about that. Um, what is it in the living room? Paul is having drinks again because that's his personality. Um. Yeah, Maggie, uh, being that she's terrible at reading the room, uh, asks like if Paul started drinking uh, before or after his divorce. <laughs> uh, so it's like, yeah, okay, Paul's understandably annoyed with her for that line of questioning. Uh, and then Maggie's just asking a ton of questions. Maybe this is like why she's so good at what she does, because she has like a natural curiosity to her. But it just comes off as kind of annoying to Paul. She asks about how long he was married, where they lived, all that stuff. And then we get a little bit of exposition about like where he used to work. So Paul says that he used to work at a smelting factory, but it was shut down due to the pollution sold to the army and the army sold it to a developer to make a resort. Guess what? All of that matters. Actually <laughs> all of does. all of these th- yes, like literally all of these things, they just like kind of snuck it in there, man, straight up like, hay bale and assassin's creed just snuck it right in. So there you go. We know now. Um, and then, you know, Maggie continuing her line of questioning is asking about Paul's daughter. Uh, and then th- this is the part where it's like she asks if his daughter lives with him. And he says yes. And that came as a surprise to me considering he's an alcoholic. Like, should he be raising a kid? Um, but then he like she's like on the couch next to him. Finally, after having wandered around the room. For so long uh and so like paul gets a blanket and starts covering up himself and maggie with it and uh maggie asks why he's so tense and paul's like well i guess it's because i'm not used to be around people um except that he lives with his daughter allegedly and he clearly is friendly with jack but then maggie's like yeah no kidding about you not being used to being around people because i've been trying to hint that i wanted to be under the covers for five minutes now apparently." <laughs> So there you go. I think it's implied that there's like a romance starting to blossom between them, but um, there's not me a lot of time for that. What with all of the yeah,
1: folks, don't worry about it. It'll never,
0: it, it doesn't really culminate in much of anything, yeah. but the next problem that they have to address is without the Jeep, they have no way to get Dr. Hoked to town, which they need. They're finally concerned that he might have a skull fracture <laughs> the next morning. So yeah. it's like, Oh, we better get him to the hospital. So, yeah, Paul says that they can use the raft. Uh, and, you know, Maggie's like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, they go to the raft. Paul does a little bit of, like, you know, Huckleberry Finn thing. Like, oh, yeah, I constructed a raft, much like the like Huckleberry Finn would have used or whatever. Um, and uh, Paul basically, I don't know how he did this math, but he says, oh, yeah, this thing can easily hold three people. Um, and then, but also says they would never used it. Because his daughter, who's currently at summer camp, is also, like, afraid to swim in the river. Uh, And then that's when we... The movie's like, hey, in case you don't believe that this uh, kid is afraid to swim in the river, we cut to uh, the summer camp where Susie uh, is afraid to swim in the river, despite one of the counselors who will come to know as Laura is uh, trying to convince her that, that, you know... There's no reason to be afraid. You probably swam further than this before. And Susie, uh, in a weirdly prescient moment, insists that she's afraid of stuff in the river uh, getting to her. And then right at this moment, as if summoned, we get uh, Dumont, the owner of the camp, and presumably the cousin to the people who are in the second movie. (laughs) So none of the characters from the first movie show up in Piranha 2, The Spawning. But there is, like, people with the last name Dumont. So I'm assuming that they must be, like, relatives of this guy for some reason. Um, uh, like,
1: like camp like camp descendants or something?
0: Well, it's just, like, same surname. I don't... I couldn't yeah, say, I wonder. Say.
1: I've never seen the second one. of you?
0: It, yes. And it's not even... It doesn't even take place in the same same place. It takes place in, like, the ocean, I believe. Okay,
1: so it's bad writing. Got it.
0: Uh, it's just unrelated. Other than that they have the same last name. I forgot, that's
1: such a common name. Um,
0: yeah, Dumont. You, you see it all the time. Uh so yeah, Dumont arrives to give Laura a letter. Um, and then kind of a moment of like weirdly mean to this little girl who doesn't want to swim. Uh he scolds Susie, uh says, People eat fish, fish don't eat people. It's like, uh, hey dude, Jaws just came out. Like, didn't you did you see that movie? Um <laughs> but yeah, that's going to be some ironic comeuppance for this. I'm sure we all know. Uh, he also like <clears throat> scolds Susie for not having intestinal fortitude. Um, uh, and then whenever, like Laura asks if there's any letters for Susie, he's like, you're skunked up, you're skunked again, Grogan and leaves. It's like, why does he hate this little girl so much? Um, cause she didn't get any letters. Uh, then because probably because he hates her dad well he definitely does hate her dad yes and yeah. it's, that seem like he's taking it out on her but it, like there's one point later where some kid does something like fakes an arrow injury and then he like p- picks up the arrow the fake arrow and it, like then yells grogan and i'm like but it's not her who did it it was some other little boy <laughs> and in case you want to know the name of the camp it's called lost river camp because the name of the lake is Lost River Lake. Presumably because it's like a river that was dammed up. And that's why it's like all underwater now to like make the resort and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we don't have any more time for these kids at camp, except we will so many more times, like too many times, in my opinion. We get a cut over to our man, Jack. He's at the edge of his little dock, uh, like on the river. His feet are in the water. He's drinking some alcohol and uh tossing like uh, chunks of meat in the water presumably to attract fish to him so he can catch them and he's doing what i would say is a s- weird story that he's telling his that he's telling his dog D- did you catch this what he's telling brandy about
1: yeah and then he like yells at the dog and it's like like uninterested <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, so so he's telling, telling so you. okay, here's what he's telling. He's telling his current dog, Brandy, the story of his first dog who was hit by a trolley car and killed. Yeah. And Brandy is distracted because she can like sense that they're piranha in the water and they're on the approach. So she's like agitated. And Jack is like upset. He's like, What, you didn't get the point of my story? And it's like no dude the dog doesn't get the point of your story are you crazy Uh, but he doesn't have a lot of time to think about that because the piranha just start devouring his legs yeah he's screaming kicking his blood everywhere Mandy's barking it's pretty grisly stuff Um, but then you know smash cut back to the raft Um, Maggie is putting her hand in the water to uh, test it Dr. Hoke is like don't do that there are piranha and he's the only one who says piranha that way um, you know, Paul's dismissive. He's like, Yo, those are tropical fish. This is cold mountain water. That's not possible. Uh, but then Maggie reminds him of all of the crazy experiments they saw at the lab. That he what did he forget? Like that they saw all of those like deformed fish corpses and then that weird fish monster. Like they saw some stuff.
1: To be fair, he was trashed. So, like
0: that's true, yeah. And he probably is again. And th- what is it? Um this I is the thought i just thought of something what's that it's
1: probably my favorite scene in the movie at the end when he like they're like all getting like taken care of by like the paramedics and like he's not responsive and they just keep dabbing his lips with the tequila yeah
0: it's like you're just trying to drink some of this because <laughs> <laughs> he's like basically catatonic <laughs> no we'll we'll get to that i don't want to i don't want to talk too much about that yet because like that's sorry yeah that was yeah um Okay, so this is the first of a couple times that Dr. Hoke will like scold Maggie as being the ones who released the piranha, and I still feel like that gets glazed over so many times that she's kind of yeah. like the one to do this um but yeah as the as the raft is approaching uh Jack's dock uh they see Brandy barking, and you know what is it uh Paul's like, hey, this is a big deal like he's usually more calm than that. And that's when he keeps calling Brandy a he and like calls him like boy and stuff like that. Cause I thought Brandy was a girl's name, but maybe it's named after like the alcohol because Jack was also an alcoholic. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, they pull Mm -hmm. the raft up and they see what like the dock is covered in blood. Jack's hat is on the ground. Also blood. Uh, So they, you know, go to the dock and approach the land and they find Jack's body, and pretty gruesome, like his feet are basically gnawed to the bone, like this basically skeleton feet with like a bunch of flesh on it. it they, they're like, ah, oh, he must have dragged himself up from the dock before he bled out or whatever. Um, and then Paul goes to find a shovel, which I guess it means he's going to just bury Jack here now before they move on. Um, yeah, it was
1: kind of gruesome. Or, or not gruesome, but just kind of grim.
0: It's like oh, Yeah, I like the, I feel like I you should a call a Coroner or something. And then I was just like, and then you get Brandy who's sitting in like a doorless like junk car in the yard and is just sitting in it. I'm like, oh, poor Brandy. Because they don't take Brandy with them. So I hope he or she is okay. Uh, back to the summer camp. I know that we were all excited to get back to this storyline. Uh, Susie and another counselor who will later learn is Betsy. Are uh, trying to brainstorm ways for Susie to get out of the swimming race. Um, meanwhile, they're also throwing darts at a dartboard with like a picture of Dumont's face on it. So like mm-hmm. pretty mean, but also makes sense because Dumont is also super mean. For sure. Um, yeah. But I wanted to mention like I don't think we get Betsy's name here, and I actually don't remember getting Betsy's name until like spoiler she alert she dies. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. then that's when. Like both uh, Laura and Susie say it. Um, he might
1: have said it when he tri- like went out to talk to them when they were sitting out, like t- just staring at the water, talking about going for a swim.
0: Oh, and they're like on the verge of actually going for a swim. Yeah, that, but, that, that's possible.
1: But I don't remember. And it's very inconsequential to everything else happening.
0: So It's true. It doesn't change much. Um. Where was I? Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. The solution. So Betsy runs through a few different ideas uh, that are kind of like non-starters. But then she comes to the solution that she will like take a red marker, like color in on Susie's uh, leg with it and then tell her to limp a lot. And then she'll like add a bandage to her knee so she can like fake an injury. So Mm -hmm. that's their plan to keep, you know, to keep uh, Susie from having to swim. Which, again, I I feel like you can just not, right? Like, I don't know. In a summer camp, can they compel you to swim if you don't want to?
1: I mean, it was the 70s, so. That's true, yeah. It's hard to say what they would compel you to do.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's true. Um, Probably wear a corduroy suit, I would guess. Yeah. Uh, Cut to random father and son in a canoe. Uh, the dad is reaching into the water to for something i don't know if they had like a snag on a fishing line or something it doesn't really matter it's just an excuse for him to have his arm in the water because hey what do you think happens he gets devoured his arm is getting all gnawed up and uh rather than i don't know uh pull it out of the water he allows himself to like capsize the canoe he's in the water getting devoured blood everywhere his son climbs to the top of the like capsized canoe in order to get like stay out of the water and stuff like that back at the raft. Dr. Hoke is explaining uh, that the piranha were made as part of operation razor teeth. So apparently the person who names operations uh, had gotten a, gotten his uh, happy, his, uh, his appropriate dose of literal juice. Cause we're just going to call it razor teeth. Um, and the idea was that they would use them to infest the rivers of Vietnam and wreak, Havoc uh, on the Viet Cong, you know, behind their lines and their water systems, which. Is seems like that'd be a war crime, because, <laughs> like, yeah. how do you differentiate between, like, you know, civilian and military based like parts of the river? Clearly, these piranha are not very discerning. Um, no, not at all. Yeah. So he, he explains, like Dr. Hoke explains, they attempted to poison the piranha, but some of them survived. And the ones that survived ate the ones that died and then started breeding in order to like create the super species that exists today. Um, And then this is the part where inexplicably Maggie blames Dr. Hoke for releasing them into the river. She's (laughs) like, this is where kids swim and everything. And it's like, rather than pointing out that she's the one that released them, he says, uh, if you want to talk about who the killers are, Talk about the politicians in Washington. Yeah, <laughs> it's like no. Let's talk about the lady who carelessly released them into the river. Um. So like that's time number two where he's basically getting blamed for this. Um, but that's when uh, whenever he's
1: a scientist.
0: <laughs> well, uh, you know the the dumbest kid in school, Paul Grogan, uh, after hearing them talk about kids being on the water. And about how the real murders are Washington. Uh, he realizes. Oh kids. I have a kid. She uh, is camping on the water. Meaning that there's right. a chance she could get eaten. So that's I mean. Like bad dad Grogan finally comes to the realization. That he has a kid that he should worry about. Uh, he explains that. Uh, what water is released. Uh, from the creek. Through a dam into the lake. Right. Every couple of days to refresh it. Uh, meaning that the piranha. If assuming that they are at there at the dam, they will be released into the lake. Um, you know, cut again to the summer camp because we gotta keep coming back to the summer camp. I hate this summer camp storyline. It
1: was kind of dumb because it's like, okay, we get she's at camp. Who gives a shit?
0: It really didn't add anything to the story, and it's just like so frustrating to keep coming back to it. Um, it's a bunch of kids in inner tubes on the lake. Uh, which like this, this section, it's more like a river. It isn't even really like a lake at that point. At that That's point right. of it, um, uh, they're all splashing as much as they can. I'm like, oh, are they splashing because they're gonna attract a, a piranha attention? No, they aren't. It's just, just for just us kids. to see. They just want us to see that kids like make a lot of noise. Like, yeah, no shit, dude. Like I've I've met kids before. Like I know how it works. <laughs> you don't have to establish it. It's like, oh man, the audience will never believe. That kids will splash enough to attract piranha attention if we don't establish that kids splash a lot. Right. Anyway, back to the damn raft. Uh so Dr. Hoke is talking to Maggie and Paul, who once again blame him. And he's like, Well, you're blaming me? Like, you're the ones who pulled the plug and released them. And then, like, like Paul is like, You better shut up or I'll stick this the stick, stick this uh or down your throat or whatever. Well, like, like,
1: then maybe I'll just dip you in the water see it's like
0: all right, that's it's like all right Paul like clearly you're not you're like even like, drunk out, half boy. this time how do you even know um but then the raft is nearing the capsized canoe they see the boy uh on the on the top of it uh the boat is sinking so they you know the, they're on the clock they gotta go get him and I guess dr Hoke having taken to heart all of the things that that Paul and Uh, Maggie was saying decides he needs a redemption arc and what better way to do it than to leave the safety of the raft and jump into the water and swim to the boy for no good reason, because it's not like he can take the boy off the canoe because the boys. And
1: honestly, it's not like he could swim because,
0: because piranha the whole, no like just in general title of the movie. I mean, he can swim, but he, he's going to, he gets eaten. But, yeah, so, like, as expected, Dr. Hoke is starting to get devoured. Uh, He is able to lift the boy up and put him into the raft, which, again, is something he could have done from on the raft. It wasn't like the boat was sinking that fast because he still had to wait for the raft to get there. Um, Yeah, Maggie pulls Dr. Hoke out. uh, But, uh, you know, what? He's shredded by this point. Like, he's basically, like, you know, huge chunks of his torso are bitten up. It's pretty gnarly looking. Yeah. and he's, like, and on the verge of, like, passing out. And Paul's, like, you know, cover Paul, like, finally a moment of decency from him. He, like, takes off his jacket and covers Dr. Hoke with it. But then he's like, oh, hey, by the way, how do we stop these piranha, by the way? We never talked about that. While we're too busy guilt-tripping you this entire ride, we didn't actually ask you how to stop them. Too bad. Too bad. Dr. Hoke's dead. It's over. Which apparently, by the way, the original premise for... Piranha two was I think James Cameron had the idea or maybe it was the writers. I can't remember who all was involved, but the idea was that it would actually be Dr. Hoke survived this and he's all like mangled now. And he decides to make like a super version of Piranha to get revenge on everyone for blaming him for the first Piranha. It's like, that'd be good. I would like that because he clearly got like the shaft in this entire situation.
1: And then, Like for sure, piranha like 100% sunk the Titanic.
0: Oh, you're doing like a James Cameron bit, and then they take and then they take you know what they do after that. They take some piranha to this planet with like these blue cat (laughs) aliens, and they then the piranha are all trying to eat them, and then they have to like uh fly on top of some weird giant birds (laughs) to attack them. That's great, yeah, yeah, it'd be a good movie. You should they should make that. I dig it. All right. Um, oh, my God. Another interlude to the plant, to the camp. This is literally going to be the death of me in this camp stuff. So Dumont is telling the campers that it is time for lunch. Um, and then he finds the picture of himself on the dartboard and grabs it and rips it up. That's it. We didn't need that scene. That was such a pointless scene. Just mm-hmm. to show that Dumont knows he's not liked. Great. Back at the raft, uh, Paul's discussing uh, what they know about the piranha. Uh, not realizing that uh Hulk's hand is like outstretched over the water and he's dripping blood into the water, which, you know, because the piranha are also sharks, I guess they sense the blood and are uh, going to come out and get it. Uh, the piranha. I couldn't tell if the point I put in my notes that they were demonstrating intelligence here, but Paul kind of explains it away is uh, that Dr. Hoax blood is seeping through the raft. So the piranha are trying to get to it. So they're starting to chew up like the ropes that are used to like tie the raft together, like the logs I, for the raft.
1: I kind of like that scene. I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah. But that was the thing is like Paul was saying is because of Dr. Hope's hoax blood. So his mm-hmm. idea is he's going to dump the body overboard. So the piranha stop, which yeah. he does, even though the boy, the little boy from the uh, the canoe, it doesn't like this he's confused and believes that the body of Dr. Hoke is actually his dad. Um, but then when they dump the body, it doesn't stop the prana at all. They're still eating the bindings for the logs. Like, so that's what I mean. Like, I don't think the theory that they like the blood was attracting them. I thought that was like a red herring. They actually, well, the, just,
1: bl- the blood would still be soaked in those ropes.
0: Uh, okay. Maybe. So you think they just were like, now it's too late. We already got some blood rope, baby. So yeah, because like there's to no, it.
1: there's like no other evidence of them destroying anything, to get to people. I don't know. Well, that's a good pop, point.
0: They pop inner tubes and stuff. Yeah, yeah but they, I feel
1: like that. I feel like that's just like collateral of sharp teeth, right?
0: Well, they only got know. like one. They only got one tool in their repertoire, dude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's all collateral for sharp would, from sharp would, teeth. Would you it's say Operation it's razor, razor Teeth? teeth. Yes. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yes, it is solid. Got them in one, guys. Got him We did it. We did the we thing. Did it. He did it. Um
1: ladies and gentlemen.
0: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Um, yeah, so basically, what is it? Um the they were are able to hold the section of the raft together long enough uh for uh for them to get ashore. I think they like have to like do a do like a jump off of there to get like off and get get onto shore in time, like avoid touching water. But we're still in the clock, chain. So Paul is like, I got to get to the dam. And he just starts booking it through the woods to get to the dam uh, before they release the water and let the piranha through. Um, we hear the sound of the horn, which, according to a sign, uh, it says the horn is the sound that precedes the release of water. Will Paul make it in time? Well, good, good news. Um, there's some cartoons on a TV that the guy working at the dam tower is like watching these cartoons. So he's like not moving as quickly as he should. So he hasn't even started opening the flow gates. And then there's like a commercial about like the upcoming Aquarina resort opening, um, which I don't, I think that's just to remind us that there's a resort. So it's like, Hey, in case you're wondering where these piranha are going to find some more meals. uh, Good news. Uh, Dick Miller has a resort, but luckily uh Paul's able to get to the guy before he finishes opening up the gates, so everything's safe, right? The piranha are contained.
1: No, you know what this reminded me of they're not what you know the scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail when Lancelot's running to that castle.
0: Oh it yeah, keeps, yeah, it keeps
1: cutting between what they're doing in the castle and him's just sprinting there.
0: Well, especially since like when they cut, it's always that dude like who's supposed to be opening those gates, but instead yeah. of like working the valves, he's like watching a cartoon. <laughs> like it's like man then they say tv rots brains but it actually saved some people from piranha yeah i mean um so anyways we get yeah. a cut to sudden army vehicles arriving an entire convoy and i was like in my notes i was like what are they gonna do fight the piranha with guns like that's not how this works no nah, it's not how any of this works uh we're introduced okay. to colonel waxman and then to another scientist dr mengers um it seems like both of them are dismissive of the entire piranha thing. Even though, number one, they knew the project existed. And number two, they did show up with, like, all these vehicles and people. But um, they have a couple soldiers throw, like, a leg of some kind of creature uh, tied to a rope into the water and pull it out to, like, do bait. And the thing comes out, like, half-eaten. It's like, oh, I guess there are piranha in the river. And then that's when Dr. Mendez explains that they're going to poison the water with retinone which i if i'm not mistaken is not the same thing that they were using on the roaches in uh um, yeah in the nest yeah it was which is i'm like
1: i don't know if that was a coincidence but they
0: couldn't have been because it was at the same time so i know it's like it's just retinone looks like a huge deal back then like they poison and everything with it and then that's yes. like that's one of the things is like they're like, Won, won't that kill everything? Like, won't that kill all life, not just the piranha? And the the uh, colonel's just like, sometimes you have to kill to save. It's like, all right, bu- all right, buddy. I'm not sure if I want any of my kids surfing in your unit. <laughs> but uh, then, uh, you know, uh, Paul uh, asks what happens if they notice they're being poisoned and they try to escape. And Dr. mentris is like, they're fish, dude. Like, how are they going to do that? Um, And then there's like this weird moment. It's kind of like one of those like Dennis Reynolds, like the implication kind of things, because they're like Dr. Mentors is like, since you, uh, Paul and Maggie, you're the only two civilians aware of the situation, then it's important for you to be part of the team. <laughs> like, oh, no, <laughs> it feels like a veiled threat. So, yeah. But then uh, what is it? The, we we have like a a scene of like the guy starting to like dump the the retinone into the into the water. Um, Paul is in a room with a map with the colonel and trying to explain that there is a way to get around the dam via some stream like forks and streams like upriver that will still lead to the lake, so it's possible for like the piranha to get around and. Um, You know, again, the Colonel's very dismissive of this, although we find out later why he's so dismissive of it. It's not because he doesn't believe that the Piranha can do this. Now, what Dr. Menger's excuse is, I don't know, because she's talking to Maggie and says that Piranha don't have, like, the intelligence or the motivation to seek a bypass like that. And I'm like, what is her PhD in, like, being wrong all the time? Because she is wrong. Um... And then when Maggie says that Dr. Hoke was breeding them to be intelligent and resilient, Dr. Mentres is like, oh, Bob was a dreamer. And then that's when uh Maggie's like, oh, that seems suggestive. What do you mean, Bob? And this is when Dr. Menchez is like, look, the army is gonna let a few people die in order to keep this thing quiet. Um, and then meanwhile, Colonel Waxman talking to um uh talking to Paul is like this is a matter of national security and then that's when Paul not being the smartest guy in town uh says well what if I blab what if I tell them and then it's like well we'll we'll put you in armed guard in a tent and keep you quarantined from everybody then it's like way to go Paul <laughs> all you had to do is not say that you might reveal it publicly and you wouldn't be in this situation <laughs> Um,
1: well, and that's even, uh,
0: Maggie says that too. She's like, shut up. <laughs> I know. It's like, 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 Paul, what are you like? Is your bus still on? What are you doing? Um, now, ba- uh, later on that night in the tent, uh, Maggie and Paul are hatching an escape plan. Uh, they need to distract the guard so that they can knock him out and escape. Uh, Paul tells Maggie that she needs to distract him. And it's kind of a funny moment. She's like, what if he's gay? he's like well then i'll distract him it's like (laughs) uh but of course whenever maggie comes out she has the charm of uh i don't know uh somebody who uh i don't know has no charm she's doing a really bad job of it and she like even like comes out and asks the soldier if he's gay It's like, what are you talking about like he like gets really defensive about it and she like tries to change the subject he's like no what were you saying earlier about gay like it's very (laughs) funny and this is the moment that I didn't realize happened in the movie because I missed it. Like all of the three times that I watched it. But so what happens is she, she turns him around so that he's facing away from the tent to her. And she says, look, it's Superman. And she like opens up her shirt. And then at that exact moment, um, Paul, like, comes out and knocks out the soldier and is able to, like, take his keys and stuff. And I had missed... I didn't realize that she did that. I thought she just yelled Superman or whatever. He was just, like, dumb and distracted. But that was that. And that was the scene that I was telling you, is, like, like usually these movies, like, especially, like, the, like, Roger Corman movies, like, there's a lot of, like, kind of like salacious female nudity scenes and stuff like Mm. that. But this one, it wasn't actually the actress. It was a stand in who was like a local, like waitress at like a local restaurant. And so it was a body double. So that's probably why it was such a fast scene. Cause it's just like, like it's like blink If you miss it, like cut, cut and cut back scene, which is kind of funny. (laughs) Cause usually, like I said, like the, the nudity and like Roger Corbin things, can be quite gratuitous, and this is one of the few where he was like, "I think it takes away from the movie, so we're not gonna keep too much of it in there." It's probably why this one has a better reputation than some of the Corman stuff of this era.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's just a weird scene. I don't know. Again, they could have just knock him out. Well, they did knock him out, but like,
0: <laughs> never mind. You're like, why do we have to see a woman's breasts at all for this? Like, why, was yeah, that, it was just why is that necessary? Weird. And, and well, this here's the comes thing: up. Like, I watching, having watched the movie three times in preparation for this, I didn't even notice it. Because <laughs> right. I was like look, looking away or typing notes or doing something else like anything else. And I didn't see it. So definitely yeah. not important to the plot. So, uh, OK, so I'm now on the run in an army Jeep, uh, Paul realizes that he needs to try to, like, warn Dumont about what's going on about the piranha. So he, like, asks, like, yo, Maggie, you got a dime? And then they stop it like, um, like, a payphone. <clears throat> he calls Dumont, but Dumont, because of, like, Paul's reputation as being a drunk, is just like, yeah, you're just drunk. What's wrong with you? Um, And, like, he won't even let Paul talk to his daughter. He just tells him to, like, sober up and fly right. Which, by the way, did you, I don't know if you noticed this. This is one of those details that stuck out to me. But did you see the newspaper Dumont had on his bed that he had been reading? No. I only could read two stories on it. The main headline at the top was dogs tear up newborn baby. Oh, okay. And then another story in the, like, in the top right, like a preview of one further, was Big Radler Bites Teen. I'm like, what is going on and wherever this newspaper is from? <laughs> These animals are going wild. Yeah, it's kinda, um, I didn't. I didn't catch that at all. Yeah, I did, and it was weird. <laughs> so, yeah. But anyways, uh, Paul and Maggie back in the Jeep are driving to camp uh, themselves. But of course, because the cops don't have anything better to do, uh, they end up pulling them over uh, because of Paul's reputation for having like a drunk and disorderly arrest or two. Uh, the trooper believes that Paul must be drunk. Paul immediately consents to taking a breath test, but apparently. They had to go back to the station to do it. It was like, was that how that was back then? Like you couldn't just do one at the vehicle. Um, no idea why, but back at the station, the cop uh, ends up getting on the phone with Waxman. Um, and after talking to Colonel Waxman, he agrees to help cover up all the piranha stuff by basically is holding Paul and Maggie and not allowing them to talk to anyone. So like, you know, violating their constitutional rights, no big deal. So that's, that's where we are with that. Um, and also there was an old movie that was being watched by one of the soldiers that Colonel Waxman was hanging out with. And I never got the chance to look up what that movie was. And since you looked up the one in chopping mall, did you figure out what the, what this one was or did you not look it up?
1: No, I didn't look it up. I, 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 I recognize it. I just, I'm like, ah, this looks familiar. And I'm like, I should look this up. And I'm like, ah, I wrote a note down and I forgot to do it. Like, a, yeah, it like some kind a, of
0: like worm looking thing, you know, it's yeah. like, it's really interesting looking. Um, but neither here nor there. Uh, cause we got to, you know, what we got to do. We have got to, uh, what do we have to do? We have to go back to the camp. <laughs> oh. We can't have this movie without the camp. So we get a shot of, uh, a campfire story thing where Betsy's telling, uh, the kids a scary story. I don't see the point of that scene at all. Other than that. I don't know that the camp, People do camp stuff at camp. I don't know. Um, I guess there's more screen time for Betsy because she's a favorite of, like, the director. Uh, but then we get a cut to uh, Colonel Waxman calling up Buck Gardner, the owner of the Ocarina Resort, and to warn him about uh, the calls about... He says, like, the calls about the prana will be pranks. So tell your staff to ignore them. <laughs> I was like, man, it's like... I wouldn't think you could find a more negligent like figure than the mayor in Jaws, but right. like these guys are going for like the going for like, like the actively. gold in this. Yeah, like they know there's danger and just refuse. But then we find out why, which is that uh, Colonel Waxman is a silent partner in the resort, which explains why he's willing to cover the piranha thing. This is like he, he has money on the line here. And, you know, since they said that the resort was bought from the army after they shut down the, um, after they shut down the smelting plant. It's like, I bet you there's some shady business deals afoot too. So like there's a lot of things that need to be covered up here. Back at the camp, we get the scene we kind of mentioned earlier where Betsy and Laura are sitting by the lake. Uh, they talk about doing a race to the Island, which by the way, I don't know what Island they mean. Cause that part of the Lake is so narrow, but uh, Betsy's hesitant. Um, she feels like something's wrong. Like something doesn't feel right, but uh, she basically it's talked into it by Laura. But before they can do it, like literally when they're on the verge of about to do it, do Dumont comes and interrupts them. And he explains that he thinks that like some kids have been swimming, doing night swims. And then the girls kind of fool him into thinking there are already people out there swimming. So he's like distracted back in the jail cell. Uh, Maggie is, like, breaking some pipes from her, like, sink and toilet and stuff like that. And she tells the story about a guy that she was tracking named Mo Schneider, who was a plumber who kept getting arrested for indecent exposure. Yeah, uh, this is good. Yeah. But then he tried to use his plumbing knowledge to escape from prison. Um, So, like, that's why she's, like, doing everything he had done, like, break the pipes and stuff like that. The noise she makes uh, summons... One of the the officers to come and investigate. So she's like, "Look, there's like water everywhere. I'm gonna catch my death." So the guy comes in, and then she like what concusses him in the back of the head with like a the what one of the porcelain pieces of the toilet. Yeah, she said
1: like toilet cover. Yeah, toilet seat cover or something. Yeah, from
0: part of from the toilet lid. So like knocks that dude entirely out. Um. But then, because the keys are somehow attached to his pants, so she needs, in order to, like, get herself and, and Paul out, she has to, like, take off the cop's pants. So... These are some, like, shitty jokes. I'm sorry. Like... They're pretty I, bad.
1: I try to stay positive about some of this. this. Was poorly written.
0: Are you talking about how whenever she's trying to, what like, take off his you pants? Get, yeah. Like, I yeah. would have thought you'd have... Yeah, I would have thought you could have gotten a man's pants off faster than that. And it's like, all right, dude. Like... She's like trying to take the pants off an unconscious man. That's like way bigger than she is. Uh, But Maggie does manage to free Paul and they steal a patrol car. And then we get like a kind of funny scene, but also kind of stupid one where they drive by a coffee shop or like a diner. And the, um, the cop who arrested them originally is walking out and they drive by and throw the pants at him.
1: Yeah, just smack him in the face. That was funny.
0: Yeah, it was pretty funny, but it's also like, yeah, but he's, like, there. Like, he could now follow you. But, yeah, so we get a, a series of intense string music as we get, um, or not intense string music, but some, like, joyful string music as we get overhead shots of the crowd at the resort for the grand opening of Buck Gardner's Aquarina. Uh, Buck gives a short speech to the cheering crowd and then he goes to help a little girl cut a fake ribbon it's just like a bunch of streamers using a uh, fake cardboard scissors but because it doesn't work because it has no blade uh he just rips it in half cuz it's just it's just like streamers now is like a bunch of cutting between like the camp and the so it's going to be cutting between the camp cutting between the um the resort and then cutting between like um what is it uh the race against time as uh as maggie and paul try to get to the camp but before kids get eaten by piranhas Mm -hmm. so there you go back at the camp we see a kid with a native american headdress imitating like a native american like war cry and i was like well that kid's absolutely canceled now because he can't be doing that as a white kid um dumont uh blows a whistle to begin the water competition um, this is the part where the kid with like a fake arrow through him goes there um, and then he like yells like Grogan it's like that's not that's not the Grogan girl that's not um, oh God that's not Susie yeah robot house
1: yeah this confused me for a minute because um, they don't really tell you that's his daughter so I thought it was the one of the campers his daughter I'm like man they like she's pretty old. Or, uh, the, the counselor, like this kind of messed me up for a minute. Cause I, I thought the little girl was his. And then when he like said that, I thought maybe the blonde girl was his daughter. Then the can't, the counselor, it, it
0: made no sense for him to yell Grogan right there Yeah, because we know what his daughter looks like. Cause earlier on, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned it, but, um, while they were, you know, before they started the raft journey while, um, while Maggie was asking all her probing questions of Paul, she like picked up a framed photo of Susie. So that's how we knew who Susie was, but also Susie, uh, Dumont was calling her Grogan earlier when he was scolding her about not swimming and then making fun of her for not getting any letters. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot happening here. Where were we? Uh, Yeah, so Lauren and Betsy line up all the kids as they pick their buddies and prepare to do water stuff. Uh, For whatever reason, uh, Dumont is like really gung-ho about this, saying that um, he says that we will sort the tortoises from the hares and the sinkers from the swimmers, uh, which the way he phrased it leads me to believe that he doesn't understand the point of tortoise and the hare story. (laughs) Because he seems to suggest that the tortoises right. will lose. Um, that wasn't how I mean, that story went famously. But this one kind of. I mean, the hares did lose. I mean, um, a lot of people lost on this day. So, I mean, do you want to get into this now, or do you want to wait till that scene happens? Because I have a no, lot of thoughts do. about that. No, you, go ahead. Yeah, because I have a lot of thoughts for how the children react to being devoured, which yeah, is they, not they much. not shy of killing kids. No, the kids are not. The kids deserve. Okay, never mind. We'll get there. Yeah, look, look, man, if I get even touched by something in the water, I'm booking it out of there. I'm not going to sit in my inner tube and scream for 30 minutes. Anyways, um, the in the police car on the way to the camp, uh, Paul realizes that because there was salt water going into the pool where the piranha originally were, these piranha can live in both fresh and salt water. uh, And they're heading to the ocean where they will no longer be able to be contained and they'll be able to breed and grow. And all of that stuff. So he's finally understanding, hey, there's some serious stakes here, but that isn't going to stop him from trying to rescue his little girl back to the camp. Because, of course, I'm just excited to get to the end of this camp storyline. Uh, the kids are jumping tell. and screaming in the water, as kids do, uh, mostly in inner tubes. Um, and that's why I was like, is this even like a race? This doesn't seem like a structured activity. It's like, I guess this is their warm-up. It's not It's not time for the race yet. Um Dumont uh, goes and confronts Susie because uh, she's sitting reading a comic book by a tree. And it was Mickey Mouse, if you're wondering. Uh, and she had some other comics scattered around her. Um, ones that caught my eye included Star Wars and Dick Tracy. So she has pretty good taste. Yeah, Dumont is not going to take the hurt knee as an excuse and tell Susie that she needs to get a tube and get ready for the tube race. Uh, back to the police car. Paul almost kills himself and Maggie because he's passing by a Sunday driver, his quotes, uh, in an RV. But as he pulls like into the lane, the oncoming lane, uh, there is another vehicle coming, but he just off roads. It hits a mailbox and then gets back on the road. So it's fine. You know, just a federal crime for des- destroying a mailbox. Yeah. No uh, big deal. Yeah. I mean, not for him, not today. Yeah, um, not after they escape jail, yeah, not after uh, they escaped jail and stole a cop's pants back at the inner tube race at camp. Uh, Dumont uh, fires his little gun to get the race going. Um, it looks like it's some kind of relay, like you know, people in like the kids in inner tubes, like swimming to one end of the lake, quote unquote, and the other. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time unpacking that because uh, it doesn't matter. Our main focus was Susie who intelligently decided to hide under a nearby canoe so that she can avoid the water. Yeah. She, she made the right call. A little bit of cross cutting as the police car is flying down the road and children are doing their tube racing. But then finally we hear our piranha sound, the drill in the water, meaning we might finally get some kills. Um, Well, we get a a glimpse as a piranha beelines for one of the little girls. Uh, She's screaming, but because of all the splashing and general pandemonium of the, children's activities uh the only ones who seem to notice the only one who seems to notice is betsy because she like points it out it's like hey something seems to be wrong we get a few more up close shots of the piranhas attacking some kids uh but whenever we get longer shots it's still just them splashing in water i don't know why they didn't add blood effects yet uh like this scene gets better when they start adding the blood effects but when they first start it's just splashing and yelling and it's no different than earlier um there's uh uh there's a pretty cool effect though whenever like dumont finally notices that like something's going on with the kids so he's like staring at the water and like one of the piranha just like jumps out yeah the that water. Was cool. it's like it so it's biting his face it's like that's what you get dude and that's what i put in my notes here is like these kids don't really seem like they want to live because none of them seem to be in too much of a rush to try to get out of the water. And that's what annoyed me about this scene is like, they are just screaming and like flopping around in the water. It's like move in a direction, any direction. Yeah. Yeah. It it was just very frustrating for me. I'm like, you know, maybe these kids had a coming. Like if this is how they, if this is how they deal with the life and death situation, maybe it was for the best. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. What? Nothing. Get out of there. Some of them are trying to be, like, uh, innovative. They're, like, standing on the inner tubes, uh, which is an interesting tactical maneuver, but it doesn't really succeed. Uh, Susie, though, however, she sees, like, what's going on, and she wants to come out to rescue her friends, Betsy and Laura, the counselors. So she tries to push a canoe, but she's not strong enough, so she instead grabs, like, an inflatable raft. This is the point where it's like, all right, Dumont is at least, like, not a coward. He's, like, in the water, like, hauling kids out, like, you know, covered in blood. He's getting bit, but he's, like, trying to get kids out of there. That's why I was, like, I feel like the movie, in another moment of trying to blame people for what's going on, like, tries to put some blame on Dumont for this. I it's like, what, are you supposed yeah, to just, like, his fault. take any call from some random drunk parent who says there's gonna be piranha in your river? <laughs> like, no, that's not how this works. But yeah, so the tube that, uh, Laura and Betsy are in is getting gnawed. But luckily, um Susie gets there with the inflatable boat. Uh, you know, Laura is able to get on to it pretty quickly, but for whatever reason, they're not quite able to get to Betsy, and she's like reaching out to them and she's like try she's so close, but she gets got and she gets pulled under, which is actually a pretty cool effect. I guess they did that in a pool. It was like they would they attached a bunch of like fake rubber piranha and then like a bunch of blood capsules and then like had a winch that like pulled her down so that's why it like looked like that
1: yeah I but mean, then it, that was probably the most effective piranha kill
0: uh probably yeah because the um they they did have like the appropriate amount of like you got a little bit of emotional heft because yeah clearly she had a bond with Laura and with with Susie. And they have like that moment of like Betsy. No. Right. And like the sad music. So it's like, yeah, probably the most effective of these kills anyway. But yeah, so she's gone. Uh, Godzilla, she's dead. Uh, Paul, you know, they've arrived on the scene. What is it? So Paul tells Maggie to go call the uh, resort, warn them what's going on. He's going to go and, you know, get Susie. So he goes and gets onto the, uh, he basically gets the canoe that Susie couldn't get. Mm-hmm. Um, so Maggie's on the phone. She's calling uh, Buck Gardner. Buck Gardner uh, gets the phone call, doesn't take it seriously. He's just like, oh, sure, yeah, Piranha, yada, yada, yada. Like, he's just doing his thing. Um, but luckily, we got some good news because Paul is able to retrieve Susie and Laura from the inflatable uh, raft before you know it gets popped by enterprising young Piranha. Um, mm-hmm we get like an upward panning shot from like the lake up, like the part of the lake where the kids were intertubing. And it's like kind of haunting. Cause like where there was splashing and noise, it's like now like completely silent and there's like some tubes still floating and like random refuse and stuff like that. So that was actually an effective shot, like to juxtapose
1: oh, the yeah. chaos
0: of the kids. Like now For the sure. stillness of the water. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then it's like what Maggie is on the way is like, yeah, there's a, there's an ambulance. It's on the way to tend to the remaining children. Um, Yeah. Paul is uh, asks Laura if she minds like taking care of the kids because he and Maggie need to drive to the resort to try to warn everybody. Uh, and this is the scene that I said, like now, like a very bloody and injured Dumont is like sitting next to like the bloody covered bodies of dead children. Yeah. And Paul's like glaring at him and he looks like he's like really like beat up over it. But that's again, like how was... How would you ever believe this dude's story? <laughs> like that's wild. Um, so like again, that's like the second time the second person that uh, has been blamed for this when it's not their fault, basically. <laughs> they and they already lost one since Dr. Hoke is dead. Where are we at? So they oh yeah, so uh, Paul uh, bids farewell to his daughter, um, tells her to stay behind and help Laura with the situation. Uh, Mostly try to keep her out of harm's way while he goes to fight Piranha. Back at the resort, we just get tons of scenes of people celebrating and having a good time. They're in the water. They're on boats. They're playing chicken. They're on rafts and inner tubes. You know, typical fun summer stuff. We get a bit of humor at the expense of a fat guy because he uh, falls out of a chair Because he sits in it weird, because fat people fall, and that's funny. That's what comedy is. Um, The interesting thing about him is that he has a Lone Star beer shirt. I was like, hey, Joe Bob Briggs. Um,
1: Love me some Lone Star. (laughs) I do. Have you ever had it?
0: I've never had it. I just know it from Uh, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs. we
1: have to get you down to Texas for a little bit.
0: Yeah. Does this take place in Texas? I don't know if I ever realized that, but I feel like it does, right? There's a lot of water for it to take place in Texas. But isn't... Like, I thought that the state the state trooper was a Texas state trooper.
1: I believe it. I mean, there's parts of Texas. There's, like, rivers and stuff, but...
0: Well, I mean, that's why they probably where the lake's so small. Because, like, if it were here, it'd be a much bigger lake. Anyways, I was just pointing that out because I was, like, what an outdated joke to have just, like, some fat guy fall out of a chair and be like, that's comedy, yeah, Texas- maybe. It is in Texas. That's what I thought. Yep. Um, So anyway, as a random aside, uh, Buck Gardner's assistant, Whitney, uh, is telling him that, uh, that some of the visitors are recognizing some of the attractions from like Florida and other places. And that's when Buck reveals that like literally every one of the attractions that he has is secondhand from somewhere else. Um, and then he goes on to greet a random Senator that's at this like, resort opening it's very weird i don't know why they they would do that it was weird yeah the only thing that was interesting to me about that was one of the uh one of the events or one of the attractions was like a swimming pig and we do get to see that pig i'm like (laughs) i want to see this swimming pig so bad reminds me of that movie do you remember the movie gordy Mm -hmm. about the pig the swimming pig that like rescues that kid from drowning yeah yeah yeah, I want to see a swimming pig, dude. Um, how'd that work out for you? What?
1: How'd that work out for you? What? The swimming pig.
0: Well, we don't we don't see it swim in this movie. I know. That's was, that was a joke. Oh, you're saying like how did I enjoy the thing I didn't get? Yeah. You're trying to mess with me. I'm trying. Yeah, I didn't we just get to well, I mean, we got to see him, but he was in a land enclosure not in a water (laughs) enclosure. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, uh, Colonel Waxman and Dr. Mengers arrive, and they go to speak with Buck. They explain to him that uh, Paul and Maggie have busted out of jail, and Buck's like, yeah, dude, they already tried to call me. Um, Mengers, in an effort to be as evil as possible, uh, tells Buck to call local news stations and tell them that they might get crank calls about stuff going on. Uh, even though like at this point there are legions of corpses, including like a solid pile of child corpses. It's like
1: (laughs) solid pile of children.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's like how much, how many more people need to die here before you guys like do deal with it. But like Mengers is, is probably the real villain and never gets a comeuppance, which is kind of a bummer. Spoiler alert. So some lady, uh, greets Colonel Waxman as they're on the way, like him and Dr. Menger are on their way to like a tiki boat. I don't know why they go on this tiki boat. It's never really explained. They just want to like go out in the water in case they see some piranha activity. <laughs> Cause if that's, if that was their plan, it definitely backfires for Waxman. Uh, the lady greets Colonel Waxman and is like, hey general Waxman. He's like, Oh, it's Colonel actually. And then she's like, Oh, it's not general yet. Why not? And he's like, Oh, politics, man, politics. And then it's like, as he leaves, he calls her a cow behind her back to Dr. Mentor. I'm like, Look, dude, it's not her fault that you're not a general yet. Like, maybe not. Maybe try not like letting a ton of people die when you're in charge of a science project. So, cut to a really long scene of a dude like, what is that called? Waterboarding. It's like water skiing, but like a single board. So yeah, so uh, that that long scene of the dude waterboarding on the back of the speedboat um and i put in my notes i'll be honest it doesn't seem like this lake is big enough for that kind of activity if i'm being like just completely honest uh and they pass a boat where like a bunch of the camera lingers on some scuba divers like jumping out of that boat into the water are they like with the army like i did not know what this was like if these guys were with the army because there's no reason to scuba dive here otherwise um yeah one of the scuba divers like uh, while he's down there, gets tangled up in some vegetation. He tries to stop to untangle himself, but then we get piranha sound, and he is attacked mostly off-screen, uh, at least until his body, I presume, is his, floats to the top. Shortly, uh, back to the boat in the water border. Uh, the women on the boat seem obsessed with going as fast as they can to try to knock him off and into the water. Uh, but then as they go by, he sees the corpse getting eaten by piranhas. And I think it's the scuba diver from a second ago, but it's kind of hard to tell because the guy's pretty chewed up. um, And I never really got to see his face because he was wearing a mask. Um, the waterboarder is trying desperately to signal to the women that uh, on the boat that he wants to like get out of here, like pull up, pull out of there. Uh, But because they're apparently the dumbest people on earth and can't recognize a a signal they're trying to tell them something is clearly wrong. They say they need to try to uh, get him to fall off at first. Then they realize something's wrong and then they try to stop and then he's going to get eaten by piranhas. And I was really hoping for like a moment where he gets like attacked by piranha while he was skiing. But I guess they just didn't have the technology for that. Well, yeah, I don't. This this scene confused me a lot. It was just it was just kind of dumb, pointless.
1: Yeah, well, I was kind of like I thought there was gonna be a really cool like mid, like they create a huge like wake and he like goes under like near it and it, they eat him and he comes to the other side. It's just his hands on the
0: thing. Yeah, basically any kind of attack that like involves you know this... mean, how cool would that have been? Where it was just like all all that's left on the the tugging the thing is his hands. That would have been yeah. cool. Like anything would have been cool if they if he had like sunk into the water and they started again and now they're piranha on him like nibbling at him while he was skiing like anything would have been better than what we got which was nothing oh like, you mean
1: the 10 jump cuts between all the boats crashing and the car going over a hill in slow motion and all that stuff that was so, that was this scene like after like
0: so what happened is, yeah so what happens is <clears throat> they they are driving the women aren't the women that are driving the boat go a little too close to another boat he tumbles off. He falls like the the water border. Mm-hmm. The other boat with the speedboat guy with the with the um, helmet on swerves to avoid him, and then is heading towards what the boat, which I believe is the boat that the uh, the scuba divers went off of. Yeah, the wooden S- one. Swerves towards that. That guy was dumping like something into the water. It looked like, and the speedboat hits that one, but like ramps over it that boat explodes for some reason and the other boat just flies over it and that's the scene
1: well no then it jump cuts to the co- the cop car right
0: what not what are you talking about
1: don't they cut in the car like they're the, him driving super fast to get to the resort
0: oh just like him driving yeah like around the corner yeah, or whatever. It, so
1: like they're just randomly jumping cuts in of him just driving the car super fast yeah, but then, yeah, they, yeah. then they like do slow mo shots. Oh, I thought you were saying that the, the car
0: crashed. I was like, I don't no, know. No, no, no. But like, it yeah. was just
1: like they kept cutting in, like, they kept cutting back to them driving. Like, like I, I gruel- gather you
0: wanted to make it look frenetic and stuff like that, but it just looked like kind of confusing and stupid. That, yeah, that then part every, did.
1: yeah, then at <laughs> the end, it's all slow mo. It's like, okay, what, what the
0: fuck? And then that one bus, the, the, that one boat just like ramps over the other boat and then that yeah. boat explodes. And then what happened to the dude who like fell? The waterboard guy, like, I mean, it, piranhas for sure. I mean, he's probably got piranhas, yeah, that's true, yeah. You know, I put in my notes like, because of movies, uh, the boat then explodes for no reason. Dumb, uh, back to the jovial atmosphere of the beach area at the resort. Apparently, no one heard the boat explode, dear pie. Uh, we see possibly the most egregious scene of the entire movie, <clears throat> which is some girl reading Moby Dick on the beach. Yeah, 0% chance. I'm sorry. Like no one is reading Moby Dick on the beach. That is not beach reading. But we finally get the sound of piranha approach. So some people on floaties are starting to get attacked and people on inner tubes and stuff like that. And again, this is like one of those, like. It starts out a little too slow and it takes too long for the gore to ramp up. Like they're just like screaming and like falling off of their thing. And I, I wish that they wouldn't start so slow. I wish i would start with the blood, you know, because um, when the gore effects ramp up, they're great. Right. But like now, like at this these beginning parts, it's like, oh, another person fell out of an inner tube, and it's now splashing around. Like great. Um, but hey, at least we're getting some attacks. We'll I'll, we'll take we'll take what we can get after all of that nonsense we just went through. Um, so we get um, what was it a uh, buck? is on the phone with like another of several newspapers he apparently called because he says that he's already talked to all the other ones. And this is the last one of a series of calls. That's when his assistant Whitney comes over and says something about the piranhas. He said, Hey, what did I tell you? Like not to even say anything about the piranhas. And then he's like, well, what about the goddamn piranhas? And Whitney's like, they're eating the guests, sir. It's like iconic, iconic moment. (laughs) (laughs) They're eating the guests, sir. Uh, and then now we finally said, I'm to get about some, to call you back. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. Uh, don't believe anything anyone says, even me. Uh, but yeah, so like we finally get some interesting gore effects. Those people are getting devoured uh, and eaten in real time. We get some blood, like bloody water, some like chunks taken out. There's um, people panicking uh, and some try to get on shore and get pulled up on shore and stuff like that. Some of them are going to like that tiki boat that Waxman and Menger's are on. And Waxman, being the absolute piece of garbage he is, is like yelling at people to get off and like pushing them back into the water if they get on the boat. He's like, You're gonna flip the boat. It's like, Man, dude, like how trash can you be? Yeah, like how many kids
1: do you think he specifically killed by kicking them back into the water? At (laughs) least four
0: yes yeah definitely like he definitely he has like blood on his hands for sure yeah i mean he already did but now even more so um yeah and then uh you know after some more scenes of gnarly carnage and it's like kind of hard to describe because there's a lot of it there's like people who are like some some cool scenes of people actually like getting attacked by piranhas underwater because we don't get a Mm -hmm. lot of scenes where we actually see the piranhas nibbling on people but we actually finally get some here there's, like, one scene with, like, a corpse is floating. It's, like, like massive amounts of flesh are taken out of it and stuff. So now we get some really good scenes. Like, this is pretty much the money shot of the movie. Like, just all of these people just getting, like, devoured. The problem is that it's been done better in subsequent movies, including, like, Piranha 3D, just because of, like, technology being better. But it's still, like, it's still a fun scene, like, where we finally get the thing we've been waiting for this whole time. Uh, but, yeah, so Maggie and Paul arrive. Um, I'm like, I don't know what they expect to do, but they're running with purpose. So they seem to know what they want to do. Um, back at the Tiki boat, we get the moment we've all been waiting for where, uh, Colonel Waxman falls into the water and we instantly, he instantly gets devoured. Like he gets blooded up real fast. And then <laughs> we get like what the final scene of his bloody hat sinking to the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Like, there you go. Waxman, you jag. you got what you deserved
1: hot time. Surprised the doctor didn't push him down with a stick or something.
0: Well, the doctor can't do too many things to make it seem like uh, she's an okay person. Because she's arguably even worse than him. But uh, Paul and Maggie run to a speedboat and just take it and drive off. And as they're driving, Maggie's like, so where are we going? It's like, has Paul not shared his plan yet? Uh, But Paul explains that he wants to go to the smelting plant. uh, Which, if you remember from earlier, the smelting plant was closed down because of the pollution. And he wants to like open up some like chambers that still have polluted material in it and like pollute the lake and just like wreck the piranhas that way.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so they get to the plant, but of course the control booth is flooded, which honestly, what did he expect? It, this area is a lake now. <laughs> that's how, that's how water works. Um. So yeah, Paul gets the tow line he ties himself to it and he tells Maggie he's going to jump in. She's going to count slowly to 100 and then at 100, gun the throttle and pull him out. Whether he's done or not, that's the like, that's the way the news goes. Um, so he like starts the count with her and gets to like what five before he jumps in. And
1: mm-hmm. then
0: uh, as he's swimming, we get some cross cutting to the school of piranha on their way to him. Like they sense that he went somewhere to try to stop them and they can't allow it. And it's like that's why I was kind of surprised because like man, they have so many people to still eat over at the resort. <laughs> like. Why would they bother leaving that? It's a veritable cornucopia of food. Well, I assume
1: by how much they were breeding that that pool in the beginning was just, like, teeming with them. Like, they were just everywhere.
0: Uh, so there's just so many of them that there's, like, contingents everywhere? Yeah. I, that's what I figured. Uh, that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, um, yeah, the he starts the count with Maggie, and then it's pretty uneventful at first as he swims down. Uh, he gets to the control booth, it's now flooded, Um, and I was like, how long is this thing enclosed? Because the underwater vegetation is pretty lush for a relatively recent endeavor. But then he gets to, like, a window, he breaks the window, and goes into this room, and it's really funny, so he's swimming into this room to, like, get to the control, like, or get to the, like, the valve that he wants to get to, which is in the next room over, but that first room he gets into, (laughs) did you notice that there's, like, a, uh, a like, an open bottle of beer on the table and he like lingers on it for a second
1: no i missed that That's there's like awesome. a bottle of
0: beer and it looks like he like stops and looks at it for a second like no time for alcohol you have to pollute this lake also <laughs> also that beer is uh open and it's underwater and full yeah so you don't yeah it's full of water now so yeah he uh, but yeah he he resists the pull of the uh, empty beer bottle and he gets to the re- <laughs> the release valve um, it's a pretty cool moment because it's like clearly hard for him to move he's like trying really hard to like like twist this valve and you know get it open but we get piranha sound they're here Um. so and it's one of the few times we actually uh, get to see the piranhas do their business we've gotten a few yeah. more uh, more recently like some of the ones at the at the uh, resort we saw the piranha and this is pretty effective because they're like biting into like chunking out his back and, like, biting his fingers while he's trying to, like, operate the valve. And it's, like, clearly he's just trying to grab this. It's, like, when you try to grab something, like, it's too hot off of the, your counter or something. Like, off of your stove. It's, like, I could have just used an oven mitt, but if I do it really fast, it's, like, it won't hurt. <laughs> um, So, yeah, that's what he's doing. It's, like, you know the feeling when you're trying to do something with your yeah, fingers and I it's going it. to hurt. Yeah, I like, I can't be the only person with fingers around here. Um, but, yeah, so he's starting to get pretty damaged. Uh, but we start to see a cloudy substance coming from some, like, nearby pipes. <clears throat> so I guess that's the visual representation of the pollution. He's finally getting it out there. Um, Maggie gets to 100 and guns the engine. Super curious about this because the tow line is just a rope that he tied around his, like, midriff.
1: Dude, he's for sure paralyzed.
0: <clears throat> yeah, it's like it's going to, like, break his back, like, crack yeah. his ribs. Like, this dude is hurting. Maybe that's Um,
1: why at the end he's just laying there.
0: Yeah. He's like, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) So, yeah. So, like, basically, it pulls him away from the piranha. He breaks through the rest of the glass at the front window. um, And then, you know, he's so, yeah, he's he's messed up. Um, But then once she's gotten far enough away, Maggie stops and tries to pull Paul in. uh, But she gets the end of the rope. It's frayed. Is he dead? And is he dead? Oh yeah he, yeah, he said a hand, bloody hand. His bloody hand surfaces. He is alive, even if not completely intact. Back at Aquarina, there's a newspaper reporter talking about the tragedy of Lost River Lake. What is it? His uh, his tagline is terror, horror, yeah, death. Film at eleven. <laughs> like, okay, dude. <laughs> uh, we see the aftermath. You know, tons of. Like like they have like a area where they keep the dead bodies that are like covered in like sheets. It's like oh man, there's so many dead bodies, dude. Uh, we see that, and that's the ones that weren't probably completely eaten by the piranhas. Um, we see that Susie has arrived for some reason because it doesn't look like Laura's there. She's crying and wrapped in a towel and carrying her dad's alcohol flask. It's like she's got to get him his juice. Um. Yeah. And then meanwhile, walking through the devastation, we get Buck Gardner, Um, you know, credit to credit to uh, Dick Miller for being a good actor, because he actually does seem like he's like going through it while he's walking through the devastation that he basically had a hand in causing. Although uh, to continue the main characters of this movie, like lashing out against people who aren't to blame for the thing that they did, he like yells at a cameraman and tries to push him like he's like what are you filming for it's like uh because it's news dude Like, it's like were you not here yeah there's hordes of corpses bro like what do you think It's like you could have shut it down mayor from Joss this is kind of on you um so yeah then uh Susie does uh locate Maggie and the injured Paul who's now on a stretcher and he's pretty messed up looking he's got oh yeah he's got chunks missing faux show and then that's when uh maggie's like like what is she's like here try to take some of this and she like puts like some alcohol into her fingers to put it into his mouth
1: <laughs> so weird
0: i know, <laughs> you know so i put my notes like ah yes the elixir of life that will save him tequila yeah then that blood out and the funniest part is, like, not to get ahead of myself, but we are almost at the end of the movie. That's the last shot we get of him is his, like, basically catatonic self while she tries to scoop alcohol into his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the uh, hero's send-off. But meanwhile, another news reporter is talking to Dr. Mangers or, uh, Mengers, who somehow got away with everything. Uh literally no one knows that she's like as much to blame for all of this. And she's talking about how she's now going to head up an investigation to see who's responsible and how they can stop it from ever happening again. It's like, Oh yes, let's put our trust in this lady. Uh, And then the reporter asks her if the uh, piranha make it to the ocean. And she's like, Oh, um, that's not likely because the pollution would have killed them. Plus they can't survive in salt water. Uh, again, she has a PhD in being wrong all the time, so she's got to say that. And then her final line is her she turning and looking in the camera and says, "There's nothing left to fear." Right. As the camera cuts to the ocean, and we hear piranha sound, suggesting that there is more left to fear. And then, of course, there's a direct sequel to the movie, so clearly it's not over. And then clearly, you know, there's
1: still stuff to fear.
0: Yes, clearly stuff to fear. And then we get, like, a red tint on the ocean water uh, once again as the word piranha shows up in blue letters. And we get our closing credit music, a mournful orchestral score over the blue-lettered credits of a red-tinted ocean. And that, my friend, is piranha. (laughs) Piranha. Piranha.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. What a... What a fucking train wreck.
0: What a journey we went through for that.
1: Um, I don't even know what to do for McMurder the movie because. You don't really, you don't really see like, there's like all those kids. I don't know. Like, what do you, that's why I said Betsy to me was like the most effective one. But like.
0: I um know. i have one like, how do you even... not okay that let's hear it let's hear it jeff was
1: it the... or jack rather oh the legs yeah that oh no wait yes, yes. yeah so yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah.
0: it's the part where like because the, the what i loved She's about telling that the story of the dog what i loved about yes what i loved about that scene is he was an endearing character who was telling a story to his dog about his other dog who died and then his dog wasn't paying attention because his dog was paying attention to the piranhas and then he's like it's like, you're not paying attention to the story. You you don't, you missing the point of the story. And then he starts getting his eggs, his legs eaten. And we get like a pretty gory scene of that, but we don't see the full thing. Then we get the raft show up. We see the upset dog. We see the bloody like uh doc. And then we get to see him afterwards, which is him with like his feet that are still legs. But like. Scoot. Down to the bone, basically. Yeah. Like, I get yeah. Betsy for, like, the emotional heft of it, because she was, like, one of their characters that, like, actually mattered. But I don't always go for the one that's, like, the most emotionally resonant. I go for the one that's, like, the craziest one, and I feel like that's the Jack one for me. But
1: yeah i'll give it to you because honestly that was that was the only other one that has of any note like i guess you could do dr hoke but like the bro just like jumped in the water and then just didn't yeah. come back out of the water Looks like okay
0: yeah big problem big problem with that is like uh what was your plan dude yeah <laughs> like say well I- his
1: skull was fractured so
0: that's true he had two concussions in a row yeah um yeah. The, the real murder of the movie was, uh, uh, the, what was it? Um, that one cop, cells. that one cop that got oh, like yeah. uh, she, like chunked in the head by like porcelain. She and might have just killed left him. He might be dead. Cause like, that was the, I forgot to mention this in like the plot description, but like the section where, um, so she's like, took the pulse of, uh, you know, Dr. Hoke. It's like, he's still breathing. He's still got a pulse or whatever. He's still breathing. But then she said the same thing. It's like, he's, he's alive. It's like, yeah, but that's like the bare minimum. Like it's, how is this he's higher also, function? Like you just knocked that dude out.
1: He's also unconscious face down in a pool of water. So
0: yeah. And without pants on now. Yeah. So even worse for him. That's the thing is like, it's treated like it's a joke, but it's like, Hey, head wounds are not a joke. Like this man is possibly dead. Definitely has a lot of recovery to go through. Yeah. But, okay well we did it so we were gonna go we're gonna go with jack then the I think that's the, fair the leg gnawing yeah I thought you'd make more of a case for uh more of a case for betsy
1: it's hard to uh she didn't make it she went in the water the string fish got her and that's about it
0: that was the thing that I liked about hers is you actually saw the piranha attacking somebody for once which was like yeah. really good <laughs> I think my problem was just like it was so obvious There's she was no gonna die. Off. Like it was just like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it was obvious that um, that Jack was gonna die. because He had his feet in the water. I don't know. Now I feel like I'm talking myself out of Jack and into Betsy, which is a weird way to phrase that. But I feel like that's what I'm that's doing. Plan the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> but like I don't know. Mm...
1: You get to see the bone feet. I'm gonna go with Jack.
0: I do love them bone feet. That's kind of the problem with the Betsy one. It's like it was awesome to see her get grabbed and like yeah, you don't dragged see down. But <laughs> yeah, I'm a, this is my Quentin Tarantino moment. <laughs> Got to see them feet. But no, it's um, it's just one of those things like where, okay, I feel this moment. It's really cr- like wild. this happened, it sucks. This is a character we came to enjoy, but I don't oh, really wait. get to like. like see do we
1: really come to enjoy that character?
0: I don't know. She had that scene with Susie where they were playing darts and she's trying to like help Susie come up with like a way to like cheat the In system. Your least
1: favorite part of the movie.
0: The camp scenes. Yeah. The camp scenes that I hate the most are the like those ones I like. Like I like the ones <laughs> okay. with Susie bonding with the uh, with the um, counselors with Laura and with with Betsy. It's all the other ones that are just like random cutaways to like Hey, soon we're we'll gonna be doing our, our inner tube race. Get ready, everybody. And then it's a like cut back. It's like, did we need that? Did we need this cut aside? You think that in those like extra 10 minutes that elapsed, we were gonna forget that we had a secondary the location? Tension. The only tension it was building was in my jaw because I was clenched with rage.
1: <laughs> uh all right, I'm going, Jack. Who are you going with?
0: We'll jack. Yeah, we'll jack it up. All right. Yeah, we'll keep it, keep it, Jack. So mostly because it. mostly because like we got to see the, the true aftermath, which is uh poor Brandy. Yeah. Brandy didn't deserve this. <laughs> Not like this. Yeah. I'm hoping that Paul we'll
1: get would one per episode.
0: Paul would, yeah, get one get one quote from <laughs> one of the obscure quotes from the Matrix for episode. <laughs> I I I do hope that uh that um what is it? Paul ended up adopting Brandy after that.
1: I'm just gonna let you know, Paul's fucking paralyzed. <laughs> I'm sorry, that boat was way too powerful. So Paul can't do much of
0: anything for the rest of Paul's days. That means he'll just have plenty of time to. What was he even doing before that? Like, what was his job? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. So drinking. Su- Susie will adopt the dog, and it'll become like uh, Paul's uh, support dog
1: yeah there There you go go.
0: that's the ending that's the ending we deserve we did it yeah we got it guys we found the happy ending that the movie never gave us
1: well now that we have the (laughs) we figured out the McMurder of the movie what's next
0: (laughs) what's next cue it up it is (laughs) it is time for the judgment categories (laughs) (laughs) Is. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah but as uh, listeners know the judgment categories are where we ascribe a letter grade to five different uh, categories those categories are story which includes writing acting effects um, the music uh, and music can include like sound design and everything And then finally, the cult factor, the cult factor being that little X factor that makes these movies so special. 1978 edition. So for the story, I mean, this is a hard one because it is starting out as a ripoff of a thing. Yeah, we know we know what we're doing. We know the archetype we're, we're working within here. I think there are elements that work really well, and I think there are elements that make me want to, uh, you know, stab my eyes out. (laughs) So what are you feeling? Uh, Okay, so the what works well. I liked Dr. Hoke for as long as he had him. I actually do find Paul and uh maggie to be very endearing protagonists i enjoy them their their like their arcs and their personalities and what they bring to the table is with their little squad um i think that as villains uh waxman and um what's her name mengers dr mengers so i think that those two are appropriately like despicable protagonists and the things they do are the things that you do in this kind of movie to just make things escalate. But at the same time, when I say that I'm like this kind of movie, like we've seen it, we know what it is, but this is also only a couple years after that, like template was forged. So it's hard to hold it against it for being, it's like if I were to watch like John Carter and then be mad at it for being the template that it created when Edgar Rice Burroughs first wrote, A princess of Mars, you know, like it Uh created the template. You can't be mad at it. It's like it's new to the world. But then, you know, you have all of these sequences at the camp. And I'm like, why are we here? Like, we don't need to be at this camp. Like too many scenes of screaming kids just like playing. And that's why I didn't like the scenes with the kids getting eaten because they were already screaming before that, like when they were just in the water, because that's what kids do. So now I have to like know that these are screams of terror instead of screams of just being annoying.
1: Screams of joy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I I I think I'm gonna have to go with C on this one.
1: Yeah, I was gonna. I thought I was gonna have to argue with you. I, I think C's pretty fair, um, especially because they tease. The stop motion, like creature.
0: Dude, so like for me, yeah, you know, lost opportunity number one right there.
1: Yeah, for sure. So just kind of like, I don't know. I was kind of mad that, like, they they just could have done so much with this whole thing. Um, and I'll I guess I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but yeah, see, sees for sure where I think it should be. Because there were some things that were great and some that just just fell flat completely.
0: Yeah, and that's why I was trying to be like fair to like the yeah. idea that it seems like so, it's so fixated on the same formula that sort of like Jaws is done and stuff like that. But then mm-hmm. I think about a movie like Slithis, which is like the same year as this, and is wild to me that is not as famous. Like this movie is very famous still, comparatively. Yeah. And like Slithis is almost unknown. I'm like Slithis' story was way more interesting than this one was,
1: for sure. I I just think the names attached to this were, I mean you know how that goes.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, and this launch of Joe Dante's career obviously huge because Gremlins, um, right. But all right, well story we're going to do C, coming okay. out coming out swinging. C for crap. It's a piranha. Next up is. Acting, oh man, how are you feeling was, on this? Acting? I was torn. I
1: was torn on this because I actually liked Paul. I did. I actually, I, I didn't have a problem with. Like, I felt like the people were doing a great job. It was just the nonsense that they were given didn't really line up. There weren't any like duds for me. Like that, I, I was just the whole time like, please, God, piranhas, kill this one next um i mean i'd go b no one really stood out but no one really like sucked so
0: that's fair um, i was actually leaning yeah. more towards a because i really actually really? liked paul's character a lot i thought that he gave a really good performance and i remember when i first saw maggie's character i was like annoyed with her character mm-hmm. But then she, like, grew on me, which is, like, an important part of the performance is, like, that this character that initially came out the gate, like, she seemed kind of absent-minded and a little bit, like, haughty and, like, full of herself. But then, like, through, like, just being competent at, like, stuff she was doing, like, the performance kind of won me over. And um, one thing that I think doesn't get enough credit for this era is child actors. And the actress who's playing Susie, like, really put in a performance that, like, seems more like a modern performance. Like, we've talked before about how, like, kids in, like, these older movies usually seem terrible. And it's, like, mostly because we have, like, our modern stuff, like Stranger Things, like, these masterclasses in, like, childhood performances. But, like, the actress who played Susie really brought her game for that in a way that feels kind of out of place. With a lot of like child performances from this era, in my opinion, anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I,
0: and then you know, like, you know what I love, Dick, Dick Miller, that is, because yes. he was, he you was out there. Fix, you better hope I leave that in there. <laughs> like Dick Miller's out there just killing the game, and and then, you know, like I said, like you you have um, the villains of the movie that I think were appropriately skeevy yeah. I don't know. I, I would I'll give you B. I'm leaning towards A, but I just wanted to make my case. So well,
1: I'll give you A if you if you'll lean with me another way soon. Horse trade.
0: Oh no, are we allowed to do that? I don't know. All right, I agree to do it. Oh, and Doctor called- Hoke, dude, like the the yeah. what- he
1: plays a great concussed guy. <laughs> You're right. Damn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's not what I meant, but yeah, he does do a good job of it. It's like those like moments on the boat where he's like, basically, at least for me, he was like the audience's mouthpiece. Where he's like, well, you're not blaming me for this. You're the ones who messed right, this yeah, up.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's good.
0: And like, like, and they're just like being dicks. They were like, whoa, this isn't his fault, guys. <laughs> so, all right, acting. We're going to go A. We're doing the thing. Right. We're going to hit him. Okay. Then that means we're on to effects
1: uh man, i kind of go a tough. couple ways
0: on this one yeah yeah i'm gonna say b
1: because i don't know this one's hard because were the effects bad or were they just i, I don't know they weren't bad when they were done i hated the boat thing i thought that was stupid
0: yeah that, boat that one was 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 bad yeah but
1: was that so much of was the explosion bad or was just the fact that it did explode bad? So like <laughs> I try to like it's not like they did a bad job at blowing that boat up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um the stop motion monster A instantly. Uh but because it wasn't in the movie, C and then like the
0: <laughs> stop motion cool- <laughs> monster A instantly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um the cool like scenes where they show the piranhas in the water sometimes I thought was kind of cool. Um, so I think that brings it up to a B for me. But like other than that, like there weren't a lot of kills. Like there were uh, there were this honestly, this probably has one of the highest body counts in a movie. But the timing, like the time on screen for like cool things to happen is very minimal.
0: They, so it's like, yeah, yeah, they really saved, especially like the gore effects. Like I remember thinking, like, by the time we got to the start of the final massacre at the um, what was it at the at the resort, it was like the, it was once again not super bloody and it was kind of like boring. And I'm like, are we really gonna come to this scene and not get like a smorgasbord of gore, a gorgasbord? If you will, and then instead it started happening, but they waited on it. Like they like waited till halfway through that scene before you started seeing a lot of really messed up people, like with chunks taken out of them and like legs gone and so Like, like they started actually doing it. It's like, oh, that's why they had to save their money. So they waited yeah. till now to give it to us. So like when they do it, when they do it, it's incredible. And like the scenes where you actually get to see the piranhas. Like yeah, most of the time they kind of look like puppets on sticks. Cause guess what? They're puppets on sticks. Right. <laughs> but you know, and then you get yeah, like you said, and then we get moments like, you know, why, why do we even have this claymation dude out here to tease us for a better movie? <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. So we're we gonna go with B for effects then.
1: Yeah, I think it's fair because like the like. I don't, so it's like, I don't even know why it's hard to hold it against them that there weren't as many, but like, I don't know. I feel like they could have done more with some things. I'm mad that they didn't show like almost any deaths. Like, I mean, even the kids in the water, like you see the chunks missing, but it was like, okay, it just looks like people, okay, frantically splash around really hard. and We're going to throw a red dye in the water. So it was kind of then the Betsy kill was cool. I don't know. That's why I that's what I'm saying. B. I think it's hard to
0: I really think that that's part of the budget. Is like that they yeah. needed to make some choices. And I guess the fact that the when they did go for it, it was as effective as it as it was, is good. But you do wish for more. And that's why like the scene with all the kids getting killed. Like, hey, I'm not a psycho. I usually don't like watching kids get killed. But instead, like it during that scene when they're just like splashing around stationarily in the water knowing there's things in there killing them. It's like, all right, good. Yeah. <laughs> get them out of here. Like, yeah. I don't so want to be these... settling on B. Yeah, we're going to settle on B for Be careful. Get these kids out of here. There's piranhas in these waters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all
1: right, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you back to you being uh, enjoying watching these kids get eaten.
0: Ah, uh, you know how I feel about it. Well that's the thing is like there's some some scenes where a kid gets eaten where it's like the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like if we ever cover alligator, there's a scene where a kid oh gets killed, God, Matt, yeah. which is the worst scene on earth. Like it like haunted me for years. Yeah. Like still to this day. And I remember I watched like I think uh last drive in with Joe Bob Briggs covered it. He's like, Where did that come from? He says like that was so totally inconsistent with the rest of this movie. I'm like, Yeah, that's correct. But with this movie, it's like these kids like, man, just get out of the water. Like get yeah. out of there.
1: Does it beat the kid getting pancaked by a steamroller? Oh, I mean, I was
0: as <laughs> you, you can't beat that. Yeah. <laughs> Maximum overdrive pull. Yeah. Um, all right, where were we? We're down Oh, we're to the uh the music and and also sound.
1: Okay. Sound cool. They did some cool things. The drill in the water kind of sounded weird, but it's cool. It's its own thing. Uh wasn't a fan of the orca sounds underwater. When they were like underwater at any point in time, they would just put like whale sounds in the background, which fucking, I don't inexplicable. Um, but uh, music unremarkable. I struggled to find any comments about it. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good again
0: it's mostly the opening and closing uh yeah which were good yeah and i hate to compare this too much to Slithis because it seems like at this point that's an unfair comparison for us because Slithis is so much better in my opinion but like i think about like how the music and Slithis like played a part in what we're hearing like where what we're experiencing like there were stings the 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 the, the music was pulling its weight here it, it wasn't doing anything really.
1: You know what would have helped this movie? I think if we would have had some soft clarinets over that scene where all those kids were dying in the water, I think that would have really tied this up with a nice bow. Oh,
0: uh, yeah, I, w- um, I would have really liked a jazz, a jazz yeah. clarinet,
1: just a jazz quartet, just like a clarinet, <laughs> a trombone, maybe an upright bass, and then I don't know, maybe someone doing those like percussion things where you just shake at the shaker thing
0: like yeah. a maraca
1: No, nah, they have the little egg it's like a little egg
0: oh for sure yeah an egg
1: yeah so i don't know man it's pretty mid to me I, i'd say see I, th- I think they did some cool tricks that were fun um they did some other really questionable things which i don't understand the intro was good the outro was good and then everything else was kind of
0: there yeah and i think I really... like we're gonna
1: catch a lot of flack from this from the community but like when you talk about like horror movies, like I don't know how this is like again, we're coming hot off of Slithis, I guess maybe that's probably what it is for me. And I didn't even <laughs> like the music in that.
0: Sorry, I just like the idea is like coming hot off of Slithus. Yeah, like...
1: man. I saw Slithus and I where saw Godzilla, where which is was probably one of the it's... best movies of all time.
0: Yeah, and then we're over so. here with like a competent but unremarkable movie, which is wild that this has like such a reputation. But, um, okay. Yeah, I don't get it. I, yeah, I have to agree with you. I think that the, uh, the opening suite is solid. I think the ending, the, the outro is really solid. I think that it, it is giving off the message they want to give, but throughout, like, it really didn't feel like the music was that remarkable. And honestly, like, I'm glad they had a sound to signal when Piranha were nearby, Mm. but it didn't really even feel that good to me. Like, it was better than, like, roach approach from from the nest but that's, that's not a hard bar to like clear like that wasn't yeah yeah i so, said like yeah it's better than that but it's it's still not great it, it really could have used like um i don't know the, like some some kind of thematic score like some kind of like jaws est- yeah like an establishing motif <laughs> of some kind like it, i it swear i bet that, that
1: i bet they're, like, they're like we can't fucking do it we can't we can't
0: make us we, we, we can't have also like a theme song
1: <laughs> like no like what jaws like we, we copy the premise we can't have a on cue like music like thing that signifies that the the piranha
0: are coming but here's the thing the song in jaws is very much like about like that creature like the boom yeah. But, like, the, that's not how the Piranha would sound. That should be more, like, a lot stringy, like, a lot like more like high-pitched strings. <laughs> no, like, something, like, more high-pitched, like, um, a series the of,
1: Josh's Josh duh-duh.
0: Like, yeah, like, something more high-pitched and more frantic. And the would
1: be duh-duh. Mm, do it backwards.
0: No, what are you talking about? You know music better than I do. I shouldn't be the one explaining this. Like, so... L- Basically a series of short, (laughs) shrill, high-pitched string sounds. Like Psycho? Mm, Shorter than that. Like faster than that. Uh, Okay. Hmm.
1: Like Flight of the Bumblebee?
0: I don't know Flight of the Bumblebee. How does that go?
1: Oh, never mind. Let's move on.
0: What is it? How does it go? (laughs) I'm
1: lying. Uh, Or like, I don't know. Or Ride of the Valkyries would have been
0: a good one. No, I disagree. I feel like you're not getting what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) Why would it be Ride of the Valkyries? That's still like, first of all, that's already, that's still pretty deep intonation, isn't it? Yeah, I'm kidding. I, I get it. I get what you're saying. Oh. Well, how am I supposed to? I don't know the words. You're the one who's the trained musician. I don't know the words. I just try to come up with the idea. I don't know these words. What's the deal with airline food? Anyways. (laughs) So we're going to go with C for that. Because they just didn't quite hit it. C for airline food.
1: This was an airline food version of music. Let's say that. That's good.
0: That's a good analogy. C for... like airline food. (laughs) C for carcaridon carcharias, the scientific wow. name of the great white shark which is jaws there which is know. what this movie ripped off <laughs> uh, now we have the hat on, or not the hat on the hat but the final of our uh judgment categories the cult factor that little x factor that makes movies so special this is it tough
1: because i feel like it's hard not to go a especially in in hindsight it's like we know now this has spawned all kinds of stuff so it's hard to not think about this <laughs> do you know what i mean
0: yeah no sorry but you know the second one is piranha too. the spawning
1: oh, Jesus so when you Christ. said
0: spawn i was like yeah yeah it's a pun
1: you know what all spawns
0: slithus slithus <laughs> you have to get up pretty in the earth pretty early in the morning to trick yeah. me away from my sleepy <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, uh, yeah, I mean, this is usually a nice one, right? So like, well, here's the thing. I was actually way harsher on this movie the first time I watched it and I was like, I don't think I like this, which was a weird, or not the first time I watched it, the first time I watched it for this. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, coming back to it the next couple times, I like was like, okay, wait, no, I'm. I was holding it to too high of a standard, not everything can be a Silithis. There's a lot of competency in the direction. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on. There are some fun gore scenes. It takes a little while to get there, but some of the adventures to get there is also kind of fun. Like you get like when what movie can we have uh a series of heroes that are like uh jeep, raft uh <laughs> uh what is it? Uh, stolen uh, army jeep, stolen uh, state trooper car, uh, motorboat. Like, yeah, it's just like a series of, like, random misadventures, and I feel like in a creature feature, I want to do creature more, but I need to understand that that's like not always the project, and it can be about what the people are up to, and so... Yeah, I think I have to give it an A. Like, at the end of the day, there's never a bit where I was just, like, totally checked out, except any time I went to the camp. And mm-hmm. that was only, like,
1: like probably... Ten
0: yeah, like, a total amount yeah. of time. Like, not a lot of it. So,
1: wait a minute. Why didn't they take the canoe off that kid and his dead
0: dad? Well, what do you mean? Like, why wouldn't they switched boats? It wasn't until after that that they started getting gnawed upon. And it was capsized and it's really hard to overturn a capsized boat from, I guess, on top of the water because like the, yeah. And it was sinking too. So they'd have to pull it up and uncapsize it and True. probably to drain it. So they probably needed you to right. bring it to the shore. You're right. You're right. You're right.
1: All right. I'll go. a. <laughs>
0: Wait, that was, was my I, hang up. That was the yeah. oh that was, that was the it. thing. That was the that one was thing it. holding you back. Was... Yeah, that was it. That was the one thing. All right. Well then, yeah. There you go. Cult factor A. It is our nice category and it honestly it it is partially probably because of the legacy of the people involved in this more than anything because I know what they were going to become and mm-hmm. that was what leads me to believe that you must have been like working with like nothing to create this. So, Every once in a while, you gotta hand a bone to like really famous people who are now like multi billionaires at this point, or multi millionaires, I guess. Let's be fair. Yeah. Well, you know what that means. Chain. What does that mean? Chained. You... <laughs> Wait, did you say? What? <laughs> Nothing. Do you know what it means? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? What does any of this mean? It is time for our final hat on the hat category. The one we don't need, but we do it anyway because it's our podcast. And if you don't like it, start your own podcast and don't do it. It's the D-Roll. Do, 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 do.
1: was good it was a solid solid transition
0: thank you yeah so as as the initiated know the d roll is our final category where we slot this bad boy into one of our uh four potential categories it is cult classic b movie grindhouse or trash and hopefully it'll never be trash but i think it might it might one day be there's only so many movies in the world so,
1: so uh you should go first because I have thoughts.
0: well, what makes you think I have thoughts? You always uh, have thoughts <laughs> This is a hard one the uh, the performances like I said they grew on me I I, I really got to understand them the pedigree here. Is important. Uh, I just. I didn't have as much fun with it. As I wanted to have. And that might be. That might not be the movie's fault. That might be my own fault. But. It is competently done. It is important. For film history. I don't know. It, It really makes me like. Whenever like. Out of all of the Jaws, I'll say
1: it if you want. Are we doing B movie? I dude, I'm Jerry Seinfeld on this one, man. I don't know why. I just like, I don't know. But if you go cult classic, I get it. But I know you wanted to say the B word. I did want to say.
0: I did want to say the B word.
1: Yeah, trust your gut, because I mean, like, look. Just because it's a B movie doesn't mean it can't be popular. I just feel like, on the scale, on the whole, I, I just feel like it just wasn't. I don't know. I just it just didn't do it. It didn't me.
0: hit. Yeah, it didn't yeah. hit the way I wanted it to. Yeah, midfield. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I don't use the term mid. Cause it's still a good movie. It, it's just. It, well, it's hip to be square. Oh, shit.
1: <laughs> Fucking Huey.
0: Yeah, Huey Lewis and the News up in here. But no, yeah, so, like, that's the thing about this movie is, like, it, I, I don't want to be a podcast where we talk about things and be like, this is the popular consensus, but here's what we think, but, like, the idea that an absolute, like, banger, like, slith is going to happen. And the world just doesn't see it. And then we're over here watching this guy that has like a, you know, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. And it's like, all right, can we get away from this, like, camp, summer camp thing? And back to my drunk random dude getting arrested by cops, thrown into jail without any rights. Like, it's such a weird movie in that way. Like, it's not like it isn't worth your time. But it definitely... Isn't as good of a use of your time as something like Slithers. So, B movie
1: it is. Uh, B movie. I'm shocked. I thought that I thought this was gonna be a cult classic for us.
0: Hey man, no one's more surprised than I am.
1: Yeah, no one's more surprised than that dog.
0: So, (laughs) what are you talking about, Brandy?
1: Yeah, she's a fun girl.
0: Or he, since the guy kept calling it he and boy.
1: Yeah, but he was drunk and his last dog could have been a boy dog, so we don't know.
0: <laughs> That's true. We don't know. There's only so. known knowns and known unknowns, but what about the unknown unknowns?
1: <laughs> oh, shit. Well, so some quick housekeeping before we get into what we're doing next. Uh, we don't have much going on, just this share it with your friends. Um all the support's greatly appreciated. Thank you. Um I'm trying to think that I think that's all I had. I just, you know, thank you, everyone. Honestly, it means a lot. So I don't know if you have anything housekeeping you want to bring up. Oh, uh Stefan did send me another review that I have to put <laughs> up. And it will be up soon, I promise. And I'll post it.
0: I wasn't gonna say anything. I was. I had a really That was gone. a while ago. But yeah, yeah like, like a week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I am it's not I'm sorry. like we're not going to like press with this, but yeah. And then uh I actually started my next one. So oh, I'll shit. have, I'll have it to you before the end of the week.
1: Is it Godzilla minus minus? No,
0: it's. I you thought want... about
1: doing, I thought about doing a joke review of my take on Godzilla minus uh, one minus color. And then just making the text white and just copying yours
0: over—that <laughs> would be pretty funny. Though. <laughs> but also, you're uh, the one who designs that. It's like, so it's yeah, not like, yeah. It's not like I For made sure. that choice, right? Yeah. Anyways, um, so. but no, I'm actually writing a review about uh, the. I I talked about it before the shutter, uh, the shutter horror movie, um, the Christmas themed one. Uh, it's a wonderful knife. So yeah. I I'm I'm trying to finish up the review on that. It's a very really? complicated story. So, and you know how I am about trying to like write a, a plot synopsis. I'm like, Ooh, I got to make sure that I get the details. And it's like, well, with this movie, I don't think I can. It's too much. Like it's, that's one of the negatives of it. It's very rich with incident. It's kind of hard to keep track of what is happening, but it's also super fun. So yeah, I'll, I'll have that to you by the end of the week. So that's your Sweet. timeline to get mine. My last one posted. So you can then also do this one.
1: Hell yeah. Cool. So what do we have next? What's uh, what's up next at the Dark Side Drive-In?
0: Well, um, after this movie, I was like, maybe we should leave the 70s. Like, we did two 70s <laughs> movies. Like, maybe we've run we've run through the 70s. But I decided Uh-oh. we'll just take one more step Uh-oh. closer to the 80s, to the year 1979. And we will go to, uh, what is it? Uh, Don uh, Coscarelli is that the name of the director of it? Uh, Don Coscarelli's, uh, classic film, Phantasm. Oh shit!
1: I can't wait for this. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited.
0: Don Coscarelli himself, and of course the one and only Angus Scrim. It's gonna be good. As the tall man.
1: Oh, Have you seen shit. this? A long time ago.
0: This is one of those movies that like I the first time I actually saw it is whenever I went to our local like one of the uh movie rental stores. I don't know if they're going out of business or they're just doing like one of their summer sales where they just like on like offload a bunch of their like used DVDs. Mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of them and one of them was The First Phantasm and I was just like I've never seen this. Let's see how this is. And the first time I watched it, it, was like, this is too weird for me. Second time I watched it, it was like, yeah, I get it. It's
1: just weird enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it, was like, it, it is very, like, it's going to be fun to talk about, like, in terms, of, especially since I try to, like, go into probably too much detail about our plot descriptions in order to, like, keep a narrative through way. Like, so you understand the events that, like, might help you make sense of a plot. But with Phantasm, there's no way. There's just no way to make that thing make enough sense. So it should be good. I can't wait. Yeah. And it's on. Oh, yeah. I didn't say where it is. It's a, It's definitely on Tubi. So first and foremost, Tubi all day. Um, I think it's on Pluto TV. Um, Let me see. It says Amazon Prime, but you know how that is. If you can trust right. it, that's actually real. Yeah. Uh, hoopla canopy uh, peacock plex uh, roku channel yeah and then also yeah like i said it is on uh pluto tv and tubi so plenty of places to see it uh it's a uh tight 89 minutes so if you only have 90 minutes to watch a movie you have an extra 60 seconds to figure out the rest of your life so there you go
1: Cool. Well, um, I think that about does it for me today. Uh, we covered a lot. I think we. Uh, I had higher hopes for this, but you know, shit happens. Uh, so I don't know. Do you have anything? Any closing thoughts? Any closing remarks?
0: Um. No, I mean, I, I think I <laughs> would say that. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <Let's-> <laughs> I give it a good pause. Uh, no, I, I do think part of the problem of this movie is that I do think that, um, 3d Piranha 3d, the 20 was that 2010, the remake, that one captures so much of what makes a silly fun movie. So good that the fact that this one plays it, so straight is it's mm-hmm. actually weird to think of them as being part of the same lineage which i think factors into why like we think of it as not being as good because it's like yeah. it's like well this movie like really understood like and that's and that's not fair that's like a tongue-in-cheek response right to like that movie and then also legions of movies that have come since and like things that have happened to the genre since so I don't know I feel like maybe I'll come back to this movie in a few years and see if this is just the way I think now, if I was unfair to it. But just right now, yeah, it's just a bummer to see it. It was so lackluster considering the reputation that it has and the careers that it launched. So it's hard. It's hard to see.
1: Yeah, well, that's very well put. And uh, I think that about does it for us. So uh, I've been Shane.
0: I've been a piranha right oh, now. I'm Stefan
1: <laughs> project razor tooth project razor teeth. And this has been the dark side drive in and keep it spooky.
0: Keep it spooky. If we if we, if we were named by the people who name operations like razor teeth, operation spooky internet thing. Oh, I guess not spooky. I think internet thing about spooky things. That's what I mean. It's so on the nose, Like oh, Operation Murder Gun. It's like, what's that about? It's like oh, we just make guns. Sick. Operation Spooky Listen Party. (laughs) All right. Yeah, but let's let's, move.